podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. And this is the podcast for the first podcast of 2014. I'm gonna say the first podcast ever for 2014. I think we're breaking new ground. Um, it is Saturday, know. January 4th. About I'm pretty minutes, certain. 20 minutes after midnight the other night, after New Year's Eve, I started doing a podcast by myself in bed. Uh-huh. Like contemplating like ideally, like I don't know. I was just like You know you know you know you know when you uh you get in an argument uh-huh. with someone, and when you're falling asleep that night, you start thinking about all the dream retorts you should have said. Totally, yeah. And so I started replaying last week's podcast in my head about, you know, because last <laughs> week was our Games of the Year podcast. Right. And right. I just spent like two hours in bed just yelling out things at a ghost Annie Maloney about how <laughs> my choices were so much better than your choices. <laughs> and then the housemates got really upset, and they, and they called the cops, and that was New Year's Eve for me. That's a good one, I think. Because it's 3 o'clock sounds... in the morning. I'm like, no, Tearaway is the best. You haven't even played it yet, motherfucker. My New Year's Eve was, um, my wife and I got invited to a couple of things, and we were just kind of like, eh. 2013 was such a fucking wet fart of a year. Man, I don't know anyone who had a good 2013. Which is 2013 weird. was uh, one of the worst years I've ever had, which man, is saying something. Which is funny, because going into 2013, I had this premonition last year that I was going to have a really bad 2013. I was, like, I, I was really somehow convinced myself that I, I was going to have deaths in the family or something. Like, for, for, which is funny, because I'm not usually that kind of personality type who will kind of dread the future like that or anything. But mm-hmm. I was just... Yeah, I don't know why, but but yeah, 2013 turned out. Instead, to be I had your shitty 2013 yeah. bill. <laughs> so I mean, like, yeah. So New Year's Eve, I'm like, yeah, let's bring on 2014, 2013, Man. which which means that I'm I'm pretty much guaranteed 2014 will be the shitty year that I was uh, anticipating last year. Anyway, go ahead. 2013, I can't even remember. Like, see, my wife and I, we had really good dinner, and we're asleep by 10 o'clock. <laughs> What'd you have Just for like, dinner? Fuck it. Uh, I can't remember. We've had so many good things over last week. I can't even remember. It was really delicious is all I can remember. You still don't cook, do you? Hey, I have been actually exploring <laughs> I'm not criticizing. Cooking. It's just oh, usually no, 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 I would no. ask, no. like, what did you make it's for a dinner? Valid, it's, a valid, it's a valid observation make. I yeah. have been exploring more frequently recently making food for my wife. Aw. Uh, I, uh, actually, pretty good. I've been trying really simple stuff. So, like, I made um, this really good soup. I've made a couple of soups that have been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And I made stir-fry the other night. It was pretty good. Oh, like what kind of stir-fry? Um, let's see. I had... Because stir-fry can be actually kind of difficult if you kind of fuck it up. Well, you just keep things moving. Yeah? Uh, what did I make in it? I can't remember. Was it, was like a beef, was it meaty stir-fry? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah. the best. Yeah, why would I bother not? You get like and a then I mean, like, of some beef or chicken. Oh man, so good! Oh man, that sounds. Good. I haven't had breakfast yet, so of course that sounds really good to me. <laughs> uh, and then I made like lentil soup with sausages, and like I've been, I've been trying. I have not done anything super exciting or exotic, and still my my best, the best thing I make is white rice. But I make damn good white rice. No, that's the thing with cooking. You shouldn't necessarily feel compelled to outdo yourself unless you feel really inspired to do it because cooking yeah. is whatever it's it's just a totally practical thing and you shouldn't feel shamed for not cooking more often or cooking better as long as you're happy with whatever stuff you can make and it's, I yeah. don't know Bill I don't think you could say you shouldn't feel shame for not cooking more often when out of the let's say the 300 meals we had last year I maybe made four of them <laughs> it is- I think that's I mean, that's kind of your relationship with Foley anyway. Where Foley is the person who cooks, she's the person who drives, 
Um, there's just damn, the, that you woman. guys just have that like division of labor in your house, and that's just the way it is. No, that's... there is no division of labor. Foley just labors, and I mooch. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. It I is... don't know. Like, yeah, no, it, it is. is... You, not you're, fair. You're the queen of oh. Shiva, and she's just kind of taking care of you. You're you're the oh, queen bee, the and she's worst. the drone. God, yeah. I'm a nightmare. I'm a beast. My wife is too good for me. That's all it boils down to. <laughs> my God. How uh, she puts up with my garbage, I do not know. She also beats all the hard parts of video games for you. She, she does! She literally does all the hard stuff for me. She cooks, she cleans. In fact, for Christmas, I can't remember if I shared this story. Um, for Christmas, after, like, a day or two after Christmas, she, we were on an email with some friends, and she goes, you know, all I really wanted for Christmas was some socks and a vacuum, and I didn't get either. And I was like, wait, fuck you, I wasn't gonna get you socks and a vacuum for Christmas, but it really is what she wanted. So we went out that night, and we got her a vacuum, and she was so delighted that she came home and she vacuumed the whole house twice. I, I don't like that, the vacuum actually helps you out, too. That's not, like, a greedy thing, just she just wants to use for herself, but, like, that's contributing to the welfare of the household. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's weird, too, because, like, I know sometimes you get really depressed and you don't want to bathe yourself, and so she'll put you in a giant, like, plastic bag and fill it with hot water and just kind of slosh you around and just dump it this out. This is true. Yeah. That is true. You're, you're like frozen chicken a la king. <laughs> Something like that. Man. You know what? I haven't had frozen chicken a la king like that since I was a kid. <laughs> that suddenly sounds... I'm, I should have... What, I really you put a woman in a bag and boiled her? Yeah, uh, You know what? Weird. I'm going to have to snack on Hannah Groff's uh, uh, Australian snacks while we're recording today. <laughs> Drive Grumpy so, Turtle crazy. Uh, yeah, on New Year's Day proper, uh, we woke up and I just kind of looked at my wife. We both had the day off. We looked at each other and we're like, I don't want to fucking do anything. It was such <laughs> That's a the best, isn't it? Yeah. It was such a terrible, odious year that like yeah. I just didn't want. I just wanted a day of rest. Mm-hmm. So we both um, just stayed in our pajamas all day and uh, watched <laughs> Haven. Now, Foley started watching the show when she was sick uh, a week or two back, and uh, it was kind of, it was, it's a sci-fi original series. It is only on my radar because it is starring Emily Rose, a.k.a. Elena from Uncharted. That is the reason why it is on my radar. Is this so, a sci-fi's, like, big, like, $300 million project no. that no one's watching? No, this oh, okay. clearly costs them about four dollars. <laughs> well, just saying. like everything else, sci-fi does. Yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, it's 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 not. <sighs> Own your Wait, garbage. How did you Annie. start watching this? Because you don't. You guys it's don't on Netflix. Cable. It's on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, okay. So she started watching the first couple episodes, and then New Year's morning, um, we were just kind of noodling around. I was like, I was like. I was like, oh, I'll do something for Foley. And I was like, do you want to watch some of your show? And mm-hmm. we did. We watched an episode, and I was like, sure, whatever. We'll watch some more. And then we watched enough, and I was like, okay, I'm moderately invested in this. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, because it's uh, kind of in... It's very much so in the Buffy X-Files riff of um, compatriots, Monster of the Week sort of garbage. Uh-huh. Uh, but what I like about it is it's about this small town in Maine and uh, that ha- is visited by the Troubles. I missed the f- first couple episodes, so I don't know. All I know is that uh, it, dur- they're uh, these they're visited cycles, by the Troubles. They they are afflicted by the Troubles. Uh, where there appear there are cycles where uh, people 
are afflicted with all these different, you know, abilities or curses or whatever. Oh, you it's call not like them. an alien species called the Troubles or anything like no, that. No, yeah. no, no, no. The, this is one of the things I like about the show is they call it the Troubles. Like it, when you say is a person afflicted, you don't say are they afflicted, but the Troubles. They're they're troubled, and I kind of like that because uh, it's a it's kind of a hate the sin love the sinner sort of thing. That's a very subtle thing, but it's baked into the language of the show, yeah. which I appreciate because it's about this woman, this uh, FBI agent named Audrey Parker, who comes to the small town and realizes that um, uh, this town was touched by this um, murder 27 years ago and something happened and she's coming to investigate that but then she learns of these troubles and she learns that for whatever reason she is able to intervene with these people and their mm -hmm. problems and eventually she just stays there and she discovers that she's linked to the town and blah 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 but really it's just all an excuse for Monster of the Week stuff what's interesting is that we just finished the first two seasons and started the third season the, uh, this morning and before Fully ran off to work, and it's funny because they abruptly remembered that it's a crime show. <laughs> like, oh yeah, technically this is about police and the FBI and a murder, so uh, I guess does, we better, we better does, wrap up another murder in here. Why does everything have to be a goddamn police procedural this, these days? It's well, ridiculous. to be fair, it's based on a uh, Stephen King crime novel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, wow, it's because okay. I never heard of that. Jesus. Yeah, it's based on a book called The Colorado Kid. So this King. is the most Stephen King related media you've ever ingested in your whole life, huh? Pretty much, actually, and it is in no way, shape, or form. I looked up the Wikipedia entry on this book, and I got through like the first three paragraphs of the description. I'm like, this in no way, shape, or form relates to this TV show, other than it's in a small town in Maine. And the fact so, that Stephen King gets a uh, five dollar uh, royalty for every time someone watches an episode, yeah. Yeah. All I'm saying is, it's a show starring the woman who played Elena in Uncharted. And is she the good? Male, she's actually she's really great. I mean, she's cute and as Elena, but that doesn't really. Yeah, she is great. Bill is what I just said. I'm and saying. then her her cohort slash love interest on the show is a man named Nathan. Oh. So it's her running around shouting at a a lanky brown haired scruffy man named Nathan. So I'm fine. So what you it's just you, what you need to do is uh, for every episode of Haven you need to chase it with an episode of Farscape. So you get to see oh. get, you get some hot Chloe Fraser action. You know, as much as I love Claudia Back Black, I do not love Claudia Black enough to watch uh Watch, uh, Farscape. Uh, Farscape. I was one of the initial Farscape haters when when my housemates were like, "Hey, man, we're gonna watch this Muppety shit," and I was like, "What the fuck is this Muppety shit?" That show actually turned out to be pretty goddamn good. I don't doubt I'm just it. Throwing it out there, but you're not a big science fiction television fan anyway. You're not like into the no. Star Treks or anything like that. Well, I will. I will is, do sci-fi movies. I will do sci-fi books. Well, of course she will, because it has Claudia Black in it. Yeah, Bill, and she's like she's like uh, the the whole female lead too. It's not like she's some random character who disappears for episodes on end. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, have you ever seen Warehouse Thirteen? No. There's a there's a, a lady on there who I think is cute, but that's neither here nor there. What's her name, Bill? Uh, I forget. I don't even remember what the actress's or the character's name is. All I know, she's like a hacker lady. And whenever I've seen other people watch watch uh, Warehouse 13, I'm like, oh, it's a cute, it's, it's that show with a cute girl. And that's all I know about Warehouse 13. Of also, course Dana... you have a tiny crush on her, Bill. Look at her. Yeah! What's that? Did you she find totally... her? I just Googled Warehouse 13 hacker, Bill. I'm very, very smart. <laughs> Annie, are you not also, that also makes you kind of a hacker, doesn't it? 
You know, my coworker, I've always impressed my coworkers with my basic Google foo yeah. and how I can answer all their questions and solve all of their problems. Um, and uh, they do, have started calling me the internet. So I'm just saying that's my hacker name. So you're now the, uh, you're the, uh... oh God, who's the chick from Buffy? Who's the smart one? Willow? Yeah, so you're the Willow of work? Something like that. Well, I am a lesbian, so there you go. Uh, that's true, too. I guess the character's name is Claudia. I should probably watch some more Warehouse 13. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, New how you been Eve, doing, uh, Bill? I just went out uh, with friends. We went out and got Chinese food and played cards and tr- and stole some friends' fire whiskey. It w- was just whiskey flavored with cinnamon. And, uh, yeah, we joked that we were just, uh, our New Year's Eve was that of a bunch of elderly Chinese ladies. If we were playing Mahjong instead of cards, that would have been, like, the perfect, like, elderly Asian, uh, Oh, wait, New that's Year's what Eve. I did for New Year's Eve. That's What's right. That? I, we haven't had any booze in the house for a while, and, uh... Intentionally? Just both intentionally and for other reasons. Okay. So, uh, I Well, it is was, depressive. I told Foley that, um... I would go out to the liquor store and get us some whiskey for New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. And she was telling a coworker, she's like, either Annie's going to go out and get a really nice bottle of really good whiskey, or there's going to be an array of flavored novelty whiskeys waiting for me. And the answer was both, because I also got Sinfire. I got my favorite peach whiskey, which I'm sampling right now, and I got her a really nice bottle of um, a 10-year-aged bullet bourbon. So, just saying. So you just stayed home and got drunk? Yes, and went to sleep at 10. It was perfect. Oh, you were asleep at midnight? Well, that's what it means when I said we went. We fell asleep at 10 o'clock, yes. <laughs> oh, God, see, at least I stayed up until 2 a.m. Um, yeah, New Year's Day, all I did was play Assassin's Creed. That's all I've been doing all week. <laughs> so has Assassin's Creed finally got its hooks in you? Uh, finally, as much as I finished, uh, stayed up until 4 a.m. last night to beat it. So I could talk oh, about it on today's podcast. Oh, you beat it already? Was Seriously? That? You beat it already? Yeah, it took me, I beat it uh, from pretty much, uh, well, I started playing it uh, when I first got the, uh, well, Assassin's Creed 4 is the only game I own for the PlayStation 4, the only retail game. And, you know, so I first started playing it right when the console first came out, but I only played like half an hour of it. I essentially just got past the opening tutorial. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, started playing it for, uh, for real uh, last week and I beat it just, yeah, just last night. I kind of tore through that fucking game, um, huh. which is funny because I really front loaded the game with mostly just doing all the ship stuff, uh, hunting mm-hmm. other ships, trying to build up my ship, uh, right. you know, like crafting and, and and stuff like that, and kind of ignoring the actual main story of the game. But yesterday I decided, ah, fuck it, um, I just want to uh, check out more of the story and pretty much plowed through the whole story in about twenty four hours, which is wow, not which is saying quite a bit because that uh, the, even if you just play through the main campaign without doing anything else, that's like a, still like a good twenty hour. Well, maybe not a twenty hour game, but it's. Still... I have no sense of how long the actual story of the game took, just because I spent so much fucking time fucking around. Yeah, I will. I will. Just right before we started recording, I was trying to see if I could find something on my Xbox that would tell me how long I played Assassin's Creed Four, and there's that I couldn't find anything. So. I probably, yeah, within the last week, I probably put a good 30 hours into that game. It essentially became my full-time job, which is great because I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, uh, the last two weeks of the year are always the two weeks of the year I give myself off. And mm-hmm. so it's the only time of year I can really guarantee that I can sit down and like actually like like slam through some uh, video games. 
And so, yeah, Assassin's Creed 4 was essentially my winter vacation video game. And yeah. I, yeah tw- and it, which is good that I finished it last night, too, because I'm going back to work. Technically Monday, I'm going back to work full-time, but even tomorrow uh, I need to start actually start doing some work. Uh, mm-hmm. So my uh, video game time will be severely limited after today. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, that was... I was surprisingly... I was pleasantly surprised at how not terrible the Assassin's Creed 4 was. It's a really fun game. Yeah. I really liked Edward as a protagonist. I liked his peers. Yeah, I know. was really lukewarm on... What's his name? Edward? The villains? That shows you how much I even remember what the character's name is. He is kind of a cipher. He's not that interesting. He's more interesting by the fact that he's not uh, a Templar or assassin. He, yeah, he's more interesting by virtue of what he's not than what he is. Um, I will say he was the most interesting protagonist in Assassin's Creed game. He meets Ezio for me. Well, she think Ezio... you played all the games. This is the only the... <laughs> this is quote unquote only the fourth Assassin's Creed game I've played. It's <laughs> oh, funny oh, that oh. I can say I've played my my uh, previous to this my favorite Assassin's Creed game was the fourth Assassin's Creed until I played Assassin's Creed Four. Now Assassin's Creed Four has usurped the fourth Assassin's Creed game to become my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Um, I, I think. Did, so, can we talk about spoilers about Assassin's Creed? Sure. Bill. Um, I did like that ending though. I did like mm-hmm. the thing where you end up uh, actually in the opera house that uh, starts off Assassin's yeah. Creed Three. And... I was I was a little uh, disappointed at the awkward handoff to Assassin's Creed Three. How so? What um, where, he, where when he takes his child, lifts him up, and he says, "Hath what? What's the kid's name? Hatham? Hatham? He lifts him up and he says, "See this? Everything the light touches, you will murder someday." <laughs> and no, it just smashes uh... the black to the end credits. Yeah. It's uh, just, I, I thought, it was such an interesting conflict to have this character um, in Assassin's Creed 3 that you think is an assassin and is the father of assassin, wind up being a Templar, but he had, clearly has all these assassin, uh, assassin touches to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, they kind of played with the idea that the villain, I can't even remember his name, Snoopy uh, had there's somehow... like, There's like half a dozen villains in that goddamn game. Well, that's the same way with all the Assassin's Creed games, so you have them as many targets to take out as possible. But yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Can I can I talk now? I'm just saying, those games have a lot of goddamn villains in them. Can I talk now? Yeah! <laughs> goddamn it! Use your words! Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so the, uh, they kind of implied that the villain guy, the governor guy, w- had some sort of access to Edward's wife. And I was like, oh, is he going to kidnap his son and raise him as a Templar or something? And like, I'm just like, eh, at some point it happens. I totally just trust the his... fact that the governor has access to his wife. He makes some comment that your wife hasn't been doing too well and like something like oh, that. Oh, see, I it... totally tuned out anything in, the, anything in the cinematics or anything that didn't involve James Kidd. I just totally fucking tuned out. Um, yeah. See, okay, Bill, I'm going to point out here, maybe the reason why you think Edward is a cipher is because you literally didn't pay attention to any of the stuff where he's talking well, or interacting like, with other oh, people. Oh, I don't know. He's just, he's just there because, like, I don't care about assassins and Templars. I just want to be a pirate, which is fine. It's just, this, like, there wasn't really much of that story other than Edward. I want to call him Edward Stark for some reason. <laughs> what, what, his name's Edward Haytham? His name is Edward Kenway. Oh, Edward Kenway. His son's name is Haytham Kenway. Um, I don't know. It was a fight. 
I was, you know what, I was actually, especially in the cutscenes, I was distracted by his terrible beard as much as anything else. He kind of looks I like... I liked his beard. It looks like it was drawn in, like, in three-dimensional crayon. Like, it was a beard that was printed, 3D printed with yellow crayon, and, like, then glued to his face. I have stronger opinions on, on 3D beards than you do, and I have experienced a lot of beards, and I think Kenway's beard was just fine. Um, the reason why I liked Kenway is that all the other uh, characters, you never really get a sense of their affiliation with the assassins, or mm-hmm. why they're with the assassins, or really what's in it for them, other than they are assassins. You kind of come into the scenario, they're already in it. Um, all Ezio had was charm, but in a kind of, like, disconnected way, and his family, but he wasn't really necessarily connected to his family either, and he talked all about brotherhood and friendship and being close to people and how that makes it okay to kill people, but he was never actually close to anyone and yeah. he never actually had any friends. I think that this this one, they fixed a lot of that. I really, really do. I did like I the fact that... I, I do like how at the end when Edward's all when he realizes the family he had built uh, through all of his pirate connections and stuff, it's mm-hmm. something he doesn't really pick up on until almost everyone's dead, and he realizes yep. that was kind of the the makeshift family he had formed uh, mm-hmm. after running away from uh, England, or I guess he didn't run away from England, he ran away from uh, Wales. Uh, but um, which which is funny uh, for some reason I'm a real sucker for that uh, thing in video games because uh, my favorite uh, Grand Theft Auto game, San, uh, San Andreas was my favorite precisely because that's kind of the the whole point of that game too where your uh, actual family kind of disintegrates but you spend the rest of the game uh kind of building your own family and that's the ending yeah. of that game is everyone celebrating the fact that like yeah you can kind of make families out of the wacko strangers you meet in your life yeah and that's a little bit like that's that's kind of the whole you know the the thrust of the ending of assassin's creed 4 which is especially since all the characters are just a bunch of wacko pirate alcoholic pirate guys that, yeah. That's kind of even funnier. And the fact there's actually a decent number of women characters in that game, which I was yeah. really kind of surprised by. And one of the things going into Assassin's Creed 4 I was really worried about when they were... when uh, I knew they were going to have to do something about Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. I thought I was really worried that they were gonna, essentially going to be strippers with swords. Yeah. I thought, like, they're, like that the female pirates you'd meet in the game, the women dressed up like pirates, would just be, like, the worst kind of, like... Like, something, like, yeah, just, just like, hot topic pirate ladies or something yeah and no one was james kidd who was totally awesome does a terrible job uh disguising the fact that she's a woman but what are you gonna do uh pretty much the only thing that makes her look masculine is the fact that she actually has a jawline uh but mm-hmm. like her voice actress was great she has a great scar on her face and her costume was she's essentially just the female jack sparrow pretending to be the male jack sparrow and then uh, to be even, fair i would point out that jack sparrow is pretending to be the male jack sparrow <laughs> that's a good point too um <laughs> And, which is funny, anyway, go even on. like uh, Calico Jack Rackham shows up, That's and that's one of the main characters that uh, really inspired uh, uh, Jack Sparrow, and they actually kind of, his character design in the game actually looks a lot like Jack Sparrow. Uh, and even with his mannerisms, he's kind of the most Jack Sparrow-y character in the whole game. But even uh, Mary Reed, uh, uh, James Kidd's girlfriend. Not Mary Here, Reed, Bill. I mean. Uh, it's Let Anne me... Bonnie. Anne Bonnie is James Kidd's girlfriend in the game, right? She's the lady who becomes your quartermaster? The the femme lady. Why are you assuming, wait, Anne Bonnie is James' girlfriend? Yeah, because there's, the, the, you, you learn this the first time you end up in the observatory with Captain Dickhead, uh, or Black Bart. I love anyone named Black Bart. Also, what's up, he shows up at the end, he's got like a tracksuit, he's dressed, dressed like Nico Bellic, and he's stabbing juice into your neck? 
Man, that was... Guess what? All the present-day stuff in Assassin's Creed sucks! So, so, that's the other thrust of the game, is so, like, so... Captain Bartholomew Roberts is an, somehow an immortal guy... Or not immortal, but he keeps on being resurrected by aliens, and he's trying to put an alien know, AI into the you, whoever you're playing as in the modern day. I don't even know, man. I don't even fucking know, man. They need to get rid of that modern day shit. I like the fact that they minimize the modern day shit in this game. So really, only it's only about ninety minutes worth of content in the whole game. Yeah. I thought you were gonna. Find, I enjoyed it. Well, I thought yeah. you were gonna find out that the secretary lady that you're uh, talking to the whole game. I thought you were gonna find out she's an assassin. But I do like you find out that Sean and what's her face from mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Two. They're at, they are actually behind the whole all the hacking stuff throughout the game. Which Sean's there at the coffee. Uh, yeah, they were being about as subtle as a. No, but I like at least he, at least at least he get to talk to him at the end. But no, anyway, no. But um, when you first go to the observatory with um, Nico Bellic, and he's showing you how the observatory works, the first person he shows you is you're looking through the eyes of was it Calico Jack, and he's watch he's yelling at James Kidd for sleeping with his girlfriend, who is uh, Mary. Uh, no, Mary Reed is. James Kidd's real name with Anne Bonnie, and he's like, oh, and she's like, and he's like, oh, lad, what are you doing sleeping with my girl? And James Kidd's all like, you should probably not be calling me lad because I'm not really. And it's just like you get to see that he's they've been boinking, and that and that's why uh, uh, Anne Bonnie's so uh, torn up about the fact that um, what's her face dies later. Although, why they both become pregnant? Who are they stopping if they're supposed to be a lesbian couple? Unless they were stopping guys just to get pregnant so they could get out of jail. Of course. That's why I get pregnant. Let's be honest here. To be, yeah, that's why most women get pregnant. I was a little po- disappointed in um, in uh, her costuming just because she was, she did have her tits just out on a platter. But on the other hand, this game was mostly wall-to-wall um, man-boob windows, so yeah. I'll allow it. No, she had one of those titty windows where you kind of wonder how her nipples aren't, aren't hanging out. Yeah. Where she, like, yeah, it's almost like she needed, like, specific, like, areola cover-ups just to put, like, before her, she put her bra, uh, put, put her boobs in the in the bra, in the boob plate. That well, was... Bill, I'm glad you enjoyed Assassin's Creed 4. Yeah! Uh, it's the a controls were still kind of funky. Uh, there were still, still some tech issues where, <laughs> there was a couple times where I would be in the middle, I'd go down to my cabin and start crafting or commanding my little stupid little fleet of ships, and I would come back uh, to, you know, where the dude's hanging out in his cabin and would be raining inside my cabin mm-hmm. which is hilarious to see oh that's the other best part of the game okay other best parts of the game uh whenever you commandeer another ship and send them to the fleet your personal fleet the animation the animation yeah. of the two dudes like uh uh edward puts a, like like a captain's hat on one random dude's uh head and mm-hmm. the random dude's best buddy is all like, oh, yeah, you're captain now. And they're both like, yeah, we're captains now. I know, just like, oh, we're captains now. I also, um, no, 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 what I call, what I do it is, uh, it's uh, uh, the worth that I fully and I came up with is like, oh, man, I'm employee of the month. Go, yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I also like that when you, um, when you part, when you try to lower your wanted rating, yeah. that it's like you, you're, you're letting these guys go and they're all like, whoa. And then your pirate guy just grabs one of the enemy in a bear hug. It's so good. I never saw that animation cause I never, ever tried to lower my wanted level. It was so good. I just wanted to be attacked. Cause like I said, I kept on like most of my uh, playtime with that game was just uh, trying to pick fights with other ships cause I love the ship combat stuff. Yeah. 
And oh, and uh, when you're doing the thing where you're sending off ships all over the world, you know, when you go down in the cabin, you're actually like managing your uh-huh. fleet of pirate your ships that you built. Stuff, yeah. Uh-huh. The animation when you automate the ship, con- like your ships fighting other ships to clear out like territory and stuff, so you could uh, start start sending your own ships out on missions. It looks, it's like a flash animation out of South Park. Like these, like little, like like almost like cut out little ships, like blowing each other up, and the animation's like mm-hmm. very crummy, but in this kind of cute and charming way. Uh, well, as yeah. I was playing it, I was like, "This is this looks like a a mobile game." Yeah, it really. And does. it turns out that there is a mobile game where you can do it to uh to do to to maintain your fleets from afar. Oh, is it all all just all that ship stuff, which totally makes sense. I mean, there's no which, reason why if that I knew that. Which, if I knew that, that I would have just had fully do that, all that shit, while I was actually playing the game proper, because Christ, that's grindy. But, uh, so what do you think they're going to do next with Assassin's Creed? What would you want? Um, I mean, if I were to be terribly frank, I would want an Assassin's Creed game set during World War One. Okay. Like, set during the world's first, Isn't that like, one of the concept images that you actually see in the game when you're kind of like, when you're exploring what their, their ideas for future Assassin's Creed games? It's one of the concepts they talk about, but uh, I can't remember in what context. Yeah, and in that's what one way. of the other. That's one of the other interesting things about Assassin's Creed Four, which is technically Assassin's Creed Three Part One. Hmm. Assassin's Creed Three is technically Assassin's Creed Three uh-huh. Part Two. Mm-hmm. I just love keep making games. this joke, Bill. I know. It just there's so many Assassin's Creed <laughs> games when you try to think, like line them up and try to figure out what's what. Uh... What was I going to say? Oh, no, but, like, that's one of yes. the... When you get the to see... They, they actually do break down, okay, here's all the games we can make out of Subject 17's lineage. And they do break yeah. down, we could do uh, Medieval Japan, we could do Egypt, we could do the Summer of Love, San Francisco, mm-hmm. which kind of cracks me up. Because if you're going to do a modern day, or at least a 20th century Assassin's Creed game... Doing a game where you're killing people and hate Ashbury would be the last thing I would consider, but no, no, that kind of cracks me up. I like, I like that they explicitly say like uh, it's great because it's part of the meta commentary in Assassin's Creed Four. Yeah, They're like we could do a World War Two game. They're like, eh, who wants to play a World War Two game with assassins? I mean, come on, man. They're like, really, you have to have games where you don't have modern vehicles. Yeah, they did like that. Yeah, you don't have modern weapons. And all Half that. the game like is going to one... be driving around. The, I like the one dude who was like, uh, or the one lady who was like, oh, you know, my my ancestor studied with, uh, uh, with, uh... Oh, yeah, and uh, everyone's just like, well, I have an ancestor who hung out with Shakespeare. Or no, oh, shit, I can't remember. Um, Albert Einstein, she's like, I had an ancestor who studied with Albert Einstein. Wouldn't that be amazing to relive these great moments of science? Like, who wants to be standing next to a dude who shouts Eureka? That's boring, <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, no, that was actually pretty cute. But yeah, no, I think I really, to be fair, I really just want a game set during World War One in general. But I could have sworn that and... was one of the concept you paintings, you know, because you see a concept painting of, there's a well, I love the Egyptian uh, assassin concept painting, which is a dude with like a little like skin tight little headdress, but with like, I guess the front would still have to be a bird's peak, so it's still like is part of the Have you never thing. seen that? Have you never seen that footage? Well, I saw the footage. Did they, did they actually show an assassin character in that footage? Because I see, yes, I see you're someone playing looks like as their slave kind of walking around. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see like what what his headdress is or anything like that. that. That's the guy. He doesn't have a headdress on. That's the guy. Uh, though. Well, that did you hear the, the rumors that supposedly they're working on two separate Assassin's Creed games? For uh... yes, we have had this conversation on a last boy howdy. Yeah, about one for this gener last generation, and one for a present generation. Okay, and then after that, they'll go to a uh, once every other year. Yeah. Okay. 
Don't yell at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for trying to have a conversation with you. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. You know, like I can't. But you know, I just really want a game set in World War One. Like I just think that would be. It's such an interesting time. Well, what and would such the character be? Cultural shift. I don't know. This is officially more than I've ever actually put any thought to it. But what would your what would your ideal Assassin's Creed game be? Um, he's an assa- It's it's actually inspired by this uh, Summer of Love, Hate Ashbury thing. Rather than the '60s, it's it's the late '70s San Francisco. You play an assassin who works in industrial light and magic who murders George <laughs> Lucas and makes good Star Wars prequels twenty years later. Actually, maybe it's like a like a clone of George Lucas assassinates the evil George Lucas. I don't know. Um, I saw for some reason I just saw a lot of people talking about how much they wish they wished uh, George Lucas had died before he had made prequels, and I'm like, that's pretty fucking harsh. That's that's grim. That's dude. especially if you love the original Star Wars movies. Wishing death upon the creator before he could make a more movies is pretty fucked yeah. up. Um, so I do not want to play into that uh, Big Bang Theory uh, quality <laughs> stereotype of the nerd who wants George Lucas dead. Uh, you know what? Actually, I have no idea. I would I would want to be surprised. I would want them yeah. to come out with something that I would not really think of. Uh, something yeah. that's not Japan. Something. I mean, World War One would actually be interesting, just because no one makes World War One games, unless it's like yeah, some like kind I of said. PC simulator or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And I had so much, even though I just said I would never want a World War Two game. I did have a lot of fun playing Saboteur, which was a, basically a World War Two Assassin's Creed game with cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it made me think. I was like, man, you know, like think about the. You you could go from Paris to um, you know to you know Moscow to you know all the places in the world you could go. At, I guess now that they did the comic series with um, about the death of um, the Tsar, they've kind of explored that territory a little bit. Yeah, because I guess you'd have medium. to like have another like you wouldn't be playing as that assassin. It'd have to be another assassin character during. Although like like oh man, but like imagine the places in World War Two. Yeah, you could have like revolutionary yeah. Russia. You've got yeah, fuck, fuck. Just the environments would be amazing. I, even if it's would, not you... even if it's not directly connected. Like everything isn't even directly connected. Like you're not just on the battlefield or on the warfront. But there's so so many so many other parts of like Europe and oh yeah. man, that could be crazy. Yeah, but it would be kind of interesting to have. I mean, to have it open maybe with a trench and like use the trench as a tutorial system but then just kind of knock you on your ass because it ends not with your triumphant escape through this varied terrain but with you climbing out of the trench and running to your death in this uh, big flat vast emptiness filled with you know gnarled chain like a gnarled uh, uh, mesh and writhing corpses and shit yeah be some I don't know, maybe a black guy fighting a South African apartheid in the nineteen seventies or or some kind of like weird like I want something with I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Uh I I really I would like to not play uh uh a story that relates to American or English history next yeah. time. And anything that's where it's a minority or female character would be nice. Um mm-hmm. That's why I kind of wish uh yeah, the uh, Assassin's Creed four I think would have been more interesting if he actually had James Kidd be the main character. Being a woman in, uh, uh, pretending to be a man and a pirate uh, mm-hmm. in that era could have been more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, like, Kenway's just like, oh, I fucked things up. I left home and my wife doesn't like me anymore. Well, and that's kind of the, the, since... the depth of his story. The, the subtext of, the, of, of, uh, of Assassin's Creed is that you're hidden in plain sight. And that would kind of do a nice job of playing with that. Yeah. Like I said, what I liked about Edward is that he didn't give a fuck about about the conflict, and you couldn't really, you couldn't have told that sort of story 
as well and tell this story of yeah. a woman hiding in plain sight. I was a little bummed that he does essentially join the t- uh, the assassins at the end because I think it would have been could have been interesting if he never really picked a side and was like, "You guys are both fucktards." Well, see, I really genuinely thought that they were going to do a fake out and have him join the Templars, which would make that sense. That, why... that would explain why his kids all like yay Templars. And, yeah, in Assassin's Creed Three. Yeah. Um, so you know. Do you think? But anyway. I was thinking this morning, you know what? Who needs to intervene to stop this whole war uh, between the uh, uh, assassins and Templars? Are doctors? What you do? Doctors need to add something. What's it's the Hippocratic oath that says do no harm. Mm-hmm. They need to do something where, especially like OBGYNs, where they're like, if you deliver a child, uh-huh. and that child, when when that child is delivered, and the parents come in, roll it in, and if you hear one of the parents say, "This kid will make a delightful assassin someday." Or, hmm, this child would make an awesome Templar. We hate to say it, but you are legally obligated to smother that child to death. I like the idea of Templars and assassins, a secret order, each hiding from the world would announce on the birth of their child. That is a sweet-ass X or Y, my friend, right there. Damn. I mean, when you're a Templar, when you're born, you might as well just, like... When you when when they were filling out the, the the birth certificate, you might as well also fill out a death certificate. Just pre-fill it out. You could say you could already say murdered by ste- like secret stabbing. Just mm-hmm. leave like the date of death and where in the body you were stabbed to death by a secret finger knife. Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. gonna happen. You can't be when you're. Yeah. That, that's that, that's the other thing in these video games. When the Templars act so surprised when they're attacked by the assassins. Like, no, I think what? they're just surprised when they're killed. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm not gonna die that what way. That's dumb. Out, how do you think you're gonna die in any one of these games? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. I I could really love. You know, what, actually going forward, I would. I would love it if they got rid of all the futuristic stuff and call, stopped calling it Assassin's Creed and just started making the historical simulators, but I don't know if they can I, afford I, to do that because they're so invested in that brand. I don't I don't object to the overworld stuff because it's a nice way, and I think this was the cleverest evolution of that yeah, by having just, it be kind the of a Assassin's thing. and the Templar stuff has never really made a hell of a lot of sense. It barely kind of made sense in the first game. It kind of did if it really kind of like... Oh, you're <laughs> arguing they removed the Assassins and Templars altogether? Yeah! Not just the... Oh, Bill, you want them to remove what the game is There are about. so many interesting <laughs> real-world conflicts between people that boiling... Insinuating every conflict in human oh, yeah. history is a result of yeah. this bullshit, totally made up Assassin's Templar thing is really just boring. Oh, and, yeah. and, and it's also predictable as hell because you know every conflict in the oh, Assassin's yeah. Creed game is going to be someone's going to turn out to be a secret assassin, someone's going to turn out to be a secret Templar. But if oh, like yeah. if you had these conflicts actually based off of the real world conflicts that uh, these these time periods were steeped in, that would be a lot more interesting. I but think it's Bill, I think it's limiting uh, to the drama. But Bill, I don't think that they they like the burning of the the Library of Alexandria involves climbing on anything. I know that's uh, that's I actually a good cl- point too. Yeah, <laughs> I want to climb on things through history, Bill. Don't take that away from me. You know, Anne Frank could have gotten out of her situation if only she'd been an assassin and learned how to climb out the window. Honestly, a perfect world, Bill, a perfect world is um, uh, Assassin's Creed gets a robust modding community who does just that. Yeah. 
That's that's the perfect scenario. Let's be honest here. Oh man. Anyway, that's enough Assassin's Creed talk. We talked about it for forty five minutes. So the video game I played a lot of this week was uh, Shadowrun Returns. Yeah, how's that purchase? Oh, yeah, you just bought that last. Uh, Cause you started talking about that last week. Yeah. Well, uh, listener Cannonheart got it for me. I think. And I really <laughs> enjoyed. Last week, I attributed all the games that have been bought for me uh, to Cannon Heart, and Cannon Heart had to tweet me like, "Bill, I only bought you like one game, and <laughs> you didn't mention it on the podcast." And I was like, "Oh." So I'm assuming most of that was great. I need to go back and see who bought me all this. I like the. I don't understand how Steam works, so it's oh, hard can, for me to remember you... who does what or to whom. But yeah, and I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Uh, no, uh, he gave me Shadowrun Returns, and that is a fun little game. It uh-huh. reminds me a lot of the way that I remember Fallout to be, um, in that it's kind of a more streamlined version of Fallout, uh-huh. um, in terms of a gameplay perspective. I know that Shadowrun is a, a pen and paper uh, thing and all that. I know it's history. But in terms of its play, yeah, it's like that kind of isometric 3D sort of, you know, uh, I mean, it's in in the kind of the... Um, uh, of course, in the uh, Baldur's Gate vein of things and all that. But, uh, yeah, I really liked the world it was set in, the kind of neo-noir fantasy sort of thing. I have a low tolerance for fantasy, but for whatever reason, I have a higher tolerance for it when they all have um, uh, cyber implants and neck tattoos. and Because uh, I'm a Portlander. Yeah. And uh, But, no, the game was actually really delightful uh, for no other reason than it was a pretty competent little noir story. And it had about five or six false endings where I was like, oh, hey, we're going to go. I guess this game's almost over. I'm about to go fight this guy. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, we just uncovered this other part of this mystery. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll go get that guy. Oh, no, I just discovered this other part of this thing. And it was just, it was a really fun little game. I really enjoyed it. And what I'm curious about it is that it has a really, it was built to have to support a really robust modding community because mm-hmm. it's ultimately just a role-playing engine and the whole idea of it was that they wanted to make a game that will allow you to create stories and modules just like you would a pen and paper rpg so there are a ton of these um community created modules uh, available online so now i just got to figure out how to navigate all that and try that stuff but it's really an enjoyable little game i liked it very very much and i really annoyed my wife by playing it because it is not a fun game to watch anybody play. did you actually beat it yeah yeah the main the module the main module that it comes with is maybe about a 15 hour game so yeah but it's a fun game i liked it Wait, how is that old mouse and keyboard? Uh, you could actually play it only using the mouse if you wanted. Oh, okay. Because uh, Grumpy Turtle was asking me if I wanted to play uh some kind of top down, almost seemed kind of like a dungeon crawler, kind of like Diablo, uh today. And I just realized, uh, especially after the last week or two playing a lot of Steam games, I just realized I have no interest in playing Steam games unless I can play it with a controller, mm-hmm. largely because this sounds crazy. But because I make my living from drawing and stuff like that, and yeah. using a mouse and keyboard, uh, especially in really complicated controller uh, schemes, using the mouse and keyboard, like cramps up my hands so much that I can't draw afterwards. Mm, and so I realized good. I was kind of wonder why I'm so averse to playing Steam games. And not even aside from the fact that I have a hard, you know, because I didn't grow up uh, playing games uh, mouse and keyboard, I'm still not very used to it. 
there's right. this is a simple fact that it's really uncomfortable for me to do my work for the rest of the day after I've like spent the whole yeah. you know spent like an hour or two just like my hands like like splayed out like spider legs just trying to figure out how to control all this stuff and uh so yeah he was asking me if i wanted to play this game but i was like yeah that sounds interesting but also this is an action game which means that i do the only way i could be even be pretend to be competent in the game would be if yeah i had a controller because that's now especially action games that's how i know how to control stuff but yeah i don't know no i totally get you i i i agree in that um i feel like controller using a controller is the language that i speak most fluently in games so it's easier for me to adapt to but I, you know, I didn't consider that, the idea, the aspect of it's, um, it's, uh, manipulating your tools in such a way. Yeah, it's kind of a baby complaint. Well, not really baby, it's a legitimate no. complaint, but it's something I just yeah. realized that's one of the reasons why I really do not enjoy playing those games, because afterwards it kind of kills me, like, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's just... No, I'm right there with you. I have to admit, I was really hopeful when I learned that you could pretty much play all of Shadow and Returns with a mouse. Okay. I was really hopeful See, that's that I nice. Could play it's it just mouse clicky clicky. That's different than like, okay, yeah. well, you have to hit like Shift X, Shift W for this thing, and Shift, you know, like all this. Yeah. Fuck that shit. If it's just yeah. clicky clicky, that that that's awesome. That's why Diablo was okay because that's mostly just like click 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 click. Like there's not mm-hmm. actually the keyboard stuff is actually there's not that much of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I really like Shadow Returns because I could be a big uh, troll monster with high charisma and a surgeon with a shotgun and roll deep with my hacker troll bro, my hacker orc uh, robot pal, and then my uh, 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 studly elf mage u- or magic hacker person. Aww. So it's pretty good. Pretty good to roll deep in the broad squad. Pretty good. I had a good time with that game. It was a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable. Uh, now, yeah, Grumpy. <laughs> this is becoming the Grumpy Turtle podcast. Grumpy Turtle is yelling at us for coming up with the strangest, ex- strangest excuses for not playing with him. Um, <laughs> give us a console. If Steam made a console, <laughs> then we just plug into our TV, buy games easily, and had a controller that played everything. Man, you know I what? Just have... Instead of us playing Steam, we need to start buying $60 games for Grumpy Turtle to play with us. We need to, like, start a fun drive to buy him an Xbox uh, uh, One and a PlayStation 4. (laughs) I just, at the end of the day, I fundamentally have no interest in multiplayer. I just don't. It's just not. Yeah, and that's the thing I've come to realize with you, because, like, like, I've tried to goad you into multiplayer games, which is funny, because you'll still play, like, Call of Duty and stuff like that, but you're doing it very passively. It's not like you're really getting into that stuff, but, yeah. Yeah. And I tend to also be a very single-player-focused person. Uh, Again, or actually even with console games, uh, I've not really done that much in the way of multiplayer outside of first-person shooters. I've played a shitload of multiplayer Halo and... uh, you know, Call of Duty and stuff, but a lot of that has actually been a couch co-op or playing with people I yeah. know and meet in real real life. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Me, uh, multiplayer. There's so many fucking retards out there. That's what <laughs> it's it not even that for to. me. I don't like. <laughs> this sounds dumb, but I I do not go to gaming to be pressured about my skill. Yeah. You know. Oh man, speaking of, so I may, and tell me if I've talked about this last week, did I mention my friend who got a PlayStation 3 on Foley's recommendations? Did I mention this? So, my friend Nancy loved gaming when she was a wee person, but, you know, grew up and put away her childish things, and she's like, well, I want to get back into gaming, what should I do? And Foley, she's talking to Foley, and and, um, she wound up picking up PlayStation 3, 
And then the other day, uh, I was talking to her. I'm like, hey, Nancy, how are you enjoying your PlayStation 3? She's like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm liking it. I'd love to hear what recommendations y'all have. I'm like, hey, I'll just loan you games. I've got a ton. Yeah. And uh, she, she goes, yeah, you know, my partner and I, we started with Portal 2. And I'm like, oh, what a great game. And what a great game for a first-time gamer. And she tells me, she goes, but uh, how do you play it? I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I mean, we it took us like 45 minutes to figure out how to wave at each other. And then the game wouldn't let us progress. And we couldn't figure out what to do next. And then I stopped there and I thought about it. And it's funny, like, kind of these assumptions that you make as someone who is very versed in the language of games. Yes. Yeah. And and in what games expect you to do, and in how games indicate that you should proceed, that and she was like, my partner and I both have like, like master's degrees. <laughs> We're smart people. We should not be this no, baffled. Video games are complicated. Yeah, exactly. So I realized that we're going to have to have them over and do, like, baby's intro to gaming for well, them. Did you see Steve Gaynor talking about uh, the craziest fucking emails he's getting from people who have never played a video game before but are playing Gone Home yeah. for the first time? That yeah. people do not understand how to pause or, like, there's just basic... Yeah. They don't understand the basic interface yeah, well, they're like, how do I save? And he was like, oh, hit pause, hit escape. Yeah. And or he says, hit, hit pause and you can... And, and he was like, how do I press pause? <laughs> but really, like, yeah. it's it's so hard. You make these basic assumptions. It's almost as if... Well, to some degree, it's kind of like comics when you give... This is a bad comparison, but when you no, hand that's, a comic that's to someone... legitimate, too. That's, uh, comics have had that issue where yeah. it's like overly complicated layouts and stuff like that tend to confound people. Yeah, where it's like, if you understand the visual language of comics, and a lot of it is intuitive, but at the end of the day, you still have to know, well, what panel do I read next? Yeah, exactly, it's like, yeah. You know? And, oh, and, is it uh, like uh, mouse and keyboard's mystifying? You hand somebody a controller, especially if they've oh, never yeah. held a, like, a modern-day controller before, like where you've got a controller where it's got like upwards of two dozen buttons on it. Yeah. Like, and the yeah. thumbsticks are, like, offset from each other, and it's just... Yeah. Uh. Foley was like, oh, man, I can't wait for them to play Uncharted. And I was like, oh, man, Oh, 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 oh. Maybe We got our asses beat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, we struggled to beat Uncharted. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's funny. It, kind of, it made me think, I'm like, man, what do you recommend a person? Because if I had to recommend a game to someone who had ne- not played a game in 20 years, I would have pointed them to Portal. That's why, you know what actually I really love to see is is story-based games, like uh, uh, Analog of Hate Story and stuff that get more popular, because mm-hmm. those are games people can play, but it's all text-based story stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you don't necessarily, as long as you know how to use a web browser, you should be able to play that stuff. Yeah. And that's very yeah. story and character-centric, and I mean, that, that, that could yeah. be, like, uh, that's, that's still video games, it's just not the kind of video games that we tend to play or, like, what you mm-hmm. think of when you think of video games. But that's... Uh, I, I kind of wonder in the next couple of years if text games, as as, as more people get, in, get, get into uh, gaming, that's not not necessarily just uh, mobile-based or just yeah. kind of, like, little mini-game-based stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. Game, gaming yeah. still has plenty of room to, to uh, uh, grow in all kinds of weird and unexpected ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um... M- in terms of games that have not grown or changed at all, really, to speak of... Oh, no. Um, Crash Team Racing? We, no, we... Oh, oh, I forgot to talk about that. I actually <laughs> made that to my notes. Um, the uh, My wife picked up... Uh, I got my wife Battlefield 4 for Christmas because um, a friend of ours plays in multiplayer. And she was like, oh, maybe I'll play with Nigel. And so we I got it for her as a surprise. Nigel. 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 Nigel's a good guy. Uh, we... 
we went ahead and did it on the did the PS4 upgrade because why not? Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to play that game. It was actually a lot of fun because I had no interest in playing those games. She gets a satisfaction from playing them as a military kid and as a person who likes to make guns go bang. And uh, it was kind of fun because I started streaming for her. And she finds streaming to be a little distracting when you have, like, chat on the screen and everything like that. It, like, distracts too much from the gameplay, especially in something that requires any reaction so much. So I started screaming... Or excuse me, stream, I started screaming uncontrollably. <laughs> I started streaming the game. And I, I hit the window, and then I grabbed the laptop, and I interacted with people in the chat room while she was playing. And it was actually a lot of fun. I was like, damn, this streaming thing? I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily streaming McGee, but it's fun. Like, uh, Grumpy Turtle was there, and my friend Jay was there, and it was just kind of nice to just chat with folks, however long of lag there is, while my wife noodled around with this video game. And, uh, yeah, Battlefield 4 also has uh, two chicks in it so mm. far. Uh, there's a chick on your squad, and then there's another chick uh, CO that you meet. Pretty good. Uh, was the game not buggy? Uh, no, she only hit one bug in the single player, at least. Okay. Um, at some point, the game crashed on her. But what was nice is that crashing in this generation means just that the game shut down, not the console. Oh, that's nice. So at least you could, like, exit out to the console. Like, yeah, okay, it doesn't, yeah. you don't have to worry about your console having a heart attack then. No, that's nice. Exactly. Yeah, no, because so I've seen, nice. there's been plenty of footage of people playing Battlefield, both on consoles and PC, of, like, people falling out mm. of the world and sure. all of insane stuff where it almost looks like a... Like an experimental art project that game can turn <laughs> into once the glitches start piling up. No, I'm yeah. glad you guys had well, a like good I time, said, especially with the sharing stuff. Yeah, we haven't done any of the um, online gaming, and I'm sure I can imagine that would be even buggier. But yeah, yeah. the single player stuff we're having it's it's still it a looks dumb, like a pretty game. game. It's gorgeous, and one thing I actually really like about it is they very clearly cast the faces of people. Um, just because everyone's faces look really, really different and very, very real. Are they still on doll bodies? Uh, I mean, I, not not in a way that I noticed in the way that I normally notice in, like, a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah. But uh, they just did a very good job of, when they modeled the faces, everyone's facial structure is very, very different. And uh, the every character you meet does not look like any other character that you meet, which I really appreciate. And I really, really do. So... Good on you, Battlefield 4. You get my thumbs up for faces and ladies. That's all it takes for me. Good job. Man, I think we'd be talking about any video game stuff today. Cause I, like, I, well, I, I played Assassin's Creed 4, but I did. I was more about watching movies this week than anything else. So tell me about the movies you watch, Bill. Uh, so I saw... What the hell? Oh, I saw Saving Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. That movie's a goddamn atrocity. <laughs> I saw tell Wolf me about Wall it, Street. Billy. That movie's goddamn hilarious. Andy, you should probably see that in theaters, because that's a movie you need to see bigger than life. I almost went to go see it uh, yesterday night, actually. It is so. it, you, it is actually a black comedy, and it, I didn't realize it's actually being marketed as such. I was going to say, have you seen any of the trailers? No, nah, I mean, I saw the original trailer with the dance in it and uh, the Kanye West song, which I didn't realize. I've heard that Kanye West song before, and I've heard people talking about how much they love Kanye West's Black Skinhead song before, and I never understood. I didn't realize that the two were the same thing. Until I was looking up, uh, I forget, uh, I was looking up, uh, re-watching some of the trailers for Wolf of Wall Street this week and figured what that out. What song is it? It's, it's, if you go back and watch the original, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, trailer, that's the song. It's got, like, this heavy breathing and a... You know, it almost sounds like, what's the song they always play at football games? It sounds like that song. Um, the hey! 
Do 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 do. Hey, there, Bill. You talk for a little bit. I'm gonna watch this trailer. Yeah, I'm in that trailer. I want you. You know what? Watching that trailer makes me want to watch that movie again. I don't know if you could say it's like Warren Scorsese's best movie, but. It, oh my Dude, god! It's just a good. Can I would just, rather watch. Can we just like? I would can, rather. Can Can you put that on the stream? We could just watch uh, Wolf Wall Street trailers for the rest of the afternoon, and that'll be the podcast. Oh man, it's accidentally streaming through the main. <laughs> so maybe you will hear this. Uh, so, are you turning it up or down? I'm turning it up, motherfucker. Yeah. Jordan Belfer. The year I turned 26. I don't recognize. Is this the Kanye song? Yeah, that's in the background. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like a marching band song. I don't recognize it. Guys, we apologize. We know this is the worst kind of podcast behavior possible. Next, watch an internet trailer. What Kanye song is that? It's Black Skinhead. Oh, I haven't heard much of Yeezus. That's why. I oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, I think that, I, I think that song came on. That was Yeezus even out when that trailer came out? Anyway, no. Uh, Wolf Wall Street. Oh my god. It's hard to talk about without you having seen it. Because mm-hmm. there's barely any plot. The real the, the plot of the movie is Leonardo DiCaprio... Oh, that's the only downside of it. It's Leonardo DiCaprio again. Which, I don't dislike Leonardo DiCaprio, but he's, he, he's always Leonardo DiCaprio and everything. He doesn't have a wide range of acting. He's mm-hmm. always just Leonardo... Especially in Martin Scorsese movies, he's always just kind of like brooding Leonardo DiCaprio and that's it. He does some funny shit. He actually has... Uh, there's a knack of uh, comedy that he displays in this movie that you would not have uh, suspected that he had before. But it's still, like, even all the during the dramatic stuff, he's just kind of, like, yelling and barking and being crazy. You um, kind of wish that Martin Scorsese would at least find another muse so that he could hopscotch movies with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I disagree. I think he is using Leonardo DiCaprio to the best possible Leonardo DiCaprio does, so I'm fine. Also, with his it. face is getting weirdly puffy. And I thought he was getting fat, but then you see him in the movie, and he actually looked relatively cut for like a 98 year old man, however old he's now. Because <laughs> he's no longer 15. So if he's not 15 no, he anymore, not. he's got to be 95. Neither years am old. I. Um, but yeah, there's, there's almost like no plot to the movie. It's weird. Have you ever seen Goodfellas? Yes. It's almost, I think you made me watch it. It's almost I think like I the, it with you. It's it's almost like the first fifteen minutes of Goodfellas, where um, Ray Liotta just talks about how his, where it's just a long montage set to music about yeah. his rise in the mob. It's essentially that for three fucking hours. It's a three hour long movie too. That's the other thing to go in knowing, uh, and especially for a movie that's three hours long to barely have any plot. Yeah, you'd think that'd be a terrible movie, but since the whole movie is about excess. And it's not necessarily about the story about how he became rich and famous as much as this terrible things that he did while be- being rich and famous. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just, it's it really is just all about the excesses of having too much money and being addicted to sex and drugs and all kinds of crazy shit. And, man, seriously, that movie will make you want to do drugs. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. like well, the, his drug of choice is Quaaludes. And I'm like, oh, man, you know what? If someone gave me a bunch of Quaaludes, I would try, I would set aside one evening. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Quaaludes? You know what? I, I, I don't know are, nothing about drugs. All I know is they're so. delicious and awesome. Will make you do cool, cool stuff. Oh, good. Uh, no, so I guess it's a sleeping pill. And if you can keep yourself from falling asleep after ingesting it, uh, it's supposed to set in like it's, it's supposed to be crazy hallucinogenic and just batshit uh. crazy. Um, but yeah, did I have any even notes in here for, for Wolf of Wall Street? But it is, yeah. it is actually it is really goddamn funny. Well, the other thing too. Uh, the screening I went to go see it with, 
Uh, the theater was practically empty, except for there were a couple old people, and there were three or four drunk, like, sorority girls there. And they were laughing their asses off at everything in the movie, which yeah. that in 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 depending on the movie and depending how stupid the girls could be, that could be incredibly annoying. But they were laughing like they made every joke that much funnier. Just yeah, because they were laughing at <laughs> all the right jokes, and they were just fucking done. <laughs> and so of course, whatever character starts tripping balls or anything like that, they were just losing their fucking shit. And it's not like they were talking throughout the movie or anything. But it was just yeah. like, it was having like a built-in live laugh track in the theater and the best possible yeah. kind of like warm-hearted kind of like, yeah. they were just there to have a good time and they picked the right movie to go go see drunk in the middle of a work day. Well, in a perfect world, that's the best kind of communal theater going Yeah, exactly, yeah. The, you know, um, yeah. That was, worth, like, that was worth the eight bucks to see it in public because you got to see yeah. it with a cool audience, even though it was only me yeah. and like eight, eight other people. Totally. Uh, on the flip side, I went to go see uh, Inside Lewin Davis too. Uh-huh. That theater was completely fucking packed. Everyone was stone cold quiet. You know, it was all old people and artsy types. <laughs> yeah, the movie not so was, much. The movie was okay. It's kind of boring. It's the Coen brothers doing that thing where they're just going to, like, not even tell a story, but just have a bunch of random things happen for two hours. And they charge see, you See, I want to go for see it. it just because anytime the Coen brothers do something that's music-oriented, it's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah, no, so I guess this is the second project they've done with the guy who produced the Oh Brother, We're Out Thou soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's all uh, 60s folk music. The soundtrack, uh, which I heard even before seeing the, uh, the movie, is fantastic. Yeah, I haven't even seen that movie, but I already have Please, Mr. Kennedy is stuck in my head. Oh, yeah, no, and also, <laughs> the main guy, he looks like Tired Jesus. So if you're, in, if you're into hot guys, you look like Tired Jesus. That guy was in Agora. What the hell's Agora? What else have I seen him in? Wasn't he... Oh, who is I that guy's I looked him up name? after the movie... This is the second movie he's done. Do you remember Sally Sparrow from Doctor Who, the episode with the weeping angels that's don't blink and stuff? Uh, sort of, yeah. That, that she was also the love interest in Drive. Uh huh. She is also the love interest this in in this movie. Turns out her abuse. Did wait? Did you see Drive? See, no, uh, no, I've not seen Bra- Drive. Oh, you haven't seen Drive. Uh-huh. Oh, it turns out her abusive boyfriend in Oh, that... wait, no, yes, I've seen Drive, yeah. Her abusive boyfriend in that movie is the main character in this movie. They're playing a couple yeah. again in this movie. He's also the villain from Sucker Punch, that terrible movie. He played Prince John in that terrible Robin Hood movie. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, that poor son of a bitch. I've seen not... him in a lot of stuff. He was also Fart Man in Lenny the Wonder Dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's really glad he got the, he got Lindsay Lewin Davis. Oh, my God. Uh, but, um... It's 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 it's, it's kind of quite depressing. It's not super depressing. It's not like people are shooting themselves or hanging themselves or anything in the movie. Um, but yeah, it, it it's definitely one of the Coen Brothers movies where uh, they were obviously inspired by a very vague idea. So instead of having like a very like it's it's not a comedy, so it's not like Raising Arizona or Hudsucker Proxy, but it's also not quite as focused as like something like Blood Simple or. You were even Oh Brother were out though. I guess their inspiration for Inside Lewin Davis was they uh, had an image of their head of a folks folk singer getting the shit kicked out of him inside uh, in an alley outside of a club. And they're like, well, that's an interesting idea. We should just make a movie that explains why this uh, why a folk singer would be getting the shit kicked out of him in an alley outside of a club in the early nineteen uh, sixties New York. And so the kind of movie is kind of, that that scene is in the movie, but it's kind of uh rambling and eh, it's okay there's a cat in it everyone's uh, favorite part of the movie seemed to be there there's a cute cat that 
is in uh, a big chunk of the movie, so. Yeah. You were the only person I know who has had a lukewarm reaction to that movie. It's good. It's just, it's Coen Brothers. It's it's just more Coen Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw True Grit together, and we liked it, but it's not like we thought thought it was the end of the world or anything like that. I saw other people were like, fuck that movie. Or, that movie was awesome. Yeah. My whole thing with, um, uh, True Grit is I either wanted it to be more of a Coen Brothers movie or more of a Western. Yeah. No, my, this is... my objection to, to True Grit was that it wasn't enough of a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, this is more of a Coen Brothers movie where it's kind of quiet and sad and kind of things randomly happen for no reason. There's no... Re- there really is no plot. It's just about this folk singer who doesn't have... who's practically homeless who just go- goes around in circles bumming on different people's uh, couches. And that's... that's really it for two hours. It's It's kind of... there's a little bit of a framing device. But yeah. yeah. Oh, you got Justin Timberlake singing for ten seconds too, which is cute. Yes. Oh, is that is that the extent of when he's in it? Yeah. The he, part yeah. that I've he, seen he, on YouTube. He is, he is the boyfriend <laughs> of the chick from Drive. Yeah, he really is only he his filming his filming day was like two days. Um yeah. But yeah, Saving Mr. Banks, that movie, holy shit, I can't believe that is the first time I've ever really seen something where I could look at it and say, That is corporate propaganda. Yeah. Well, that's a subject that you know a lot about, so you're going to be disappointed well, by that not, scenario. Well, it's not like I'm intimately familiar with PJ Travers or, right. or PL Travers. It's funny to say PJ because it's pajamas are always good. Uh, but, like, <laughs> true. the movie is I'm still in mine. super insidious. Like, there's this one scene where she gets really sad after spending a day of fighting with everyone who's working on Mary Poppins. She goes back to her, ho- her hotel and she can't sleep until she finally decides to hug a giant stuffed Mickey Mouse that Walt Disney left in her in, in her hotel room. Seriously? Which, just to make up a scene like that, that's kind of fucked up. When the whole when that woman was nothing about fuck Disney, I hate Disney, and to actually like insert this scene about her life where even she wow. couldn't fall asleep without Mickey Mouse in her life is kind of fucked up. And there's a famous there there's a there's a famous scene from PL Travers her 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 story about working on on, on Mary Poppins where she was not invited to the premiere of Mary Poppins. She mm-hmm. essentially not snuck in, but she kind of crashed the party a little bit. And when she went to go see when she was seeing the movie the first time at the premiere, she started crying because she just realized that she sold off her character to this giant corporation and it was no longer hers yeah. and it was just a lot of mixed emotions. And the 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 scene of her crying kickstart was probably the most well known piece written about PL Travers and her experiences with Disney with which is this New Yorker piece that was written uh like five or six years ago. And uh-huh. it seems like the, the, the writers of Saving Mr. Banks, probably when they first got the assignment to start working on this project, the first thing they did was probably find this New Yorker article by, you know, the Google and stuff. And they realized, <laughs> yeah. well, the movie's got to end with the premiere of the movie just because of the movie's the, – the movie's uh, Saving Mr. Banks is all about the making of Mary Poppins. How do you not end this movie with the premiere? Right. And they realized they had to work in the fact that uh, – Walt Disney did not invite P.L. Travers to the premiere, which is kind of fucked up, which kind of runs yeah. contrary of their mission to make Walt Disney seem like the nicest, cuddliest guy in the world. And they had to run into the fact that, well, they could not flat out lie and say she was happy with the movie because that that is just known to be false. Right. And so they still have her cry at the end of the movie. 
And she's still, but in, in, in the movie, she's only pretending to be grumpy about the movie. She is secretly, deep downside, completely moved by Mary Poppins. And it's a wow. secret, it's a secret move being moved. She's secretly moved and, 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 and she's like joy overtakes her heart <laughs> and she's overwhelmed with joy wow. at the film. And it's kind of the secret, like, just recontextualizing her reaction, like, Oh, it's just so like, well, she cried, but how do you know she, it was completely because she was sad? And it's just like, oh, man, that's just like, fucked up. Anyway, those are two specific mo- uh, uh, moments wow. in the movie where they just kind of made up stuff. Yeah. About someone who oh, was very man. vocal about her objections to this corporation, to the founder of this corporation. And they just kind of like recontextualize it just to s- still make it about the healing power of selling your... Uh, uh, intellectual property to to Walt Disney. <laughs> and the funny thing, the rest of the movie is fine. Like the the casting, it's it's well made. Thomas Newman, actually, this is one one of the rare cases where Tom and New, uh, Thomas Newman's score is a little too bit too schmaltzy. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's got it's got West Wing, it's got The Office. <laughs> what else do you need? You got West Wing and The Office. It's got yeah, man, The Office and Rushmore as the guys who wrote the songs for Mary Poppins. They're fucking hilarious. Yeah. Even uh, Castaway as 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 Walt Disney, he's good. You're not gonna call him Big? Come on, fuck Big! I saw Big once like a million years ago. I seen Castaway a bunch of times. <laughs> You're like I don't call him. I, I don't call him uh, the Money Pit because that was one of his best. <laughs> um, but yeah, even like the performance of what's her face as P.L. Travers, she's yeah. just so severe and just so bitchy. And just so, they give her, like, the super bright red lipstick, and she's always just parsing her lips in this really unattractive, like, me, 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 me. She, she's making Muppet yeah. Mouth the whole movie. And it's just yeah. so, the movie goes to such likes to paint her as this cold-hearted, awful, lonely person. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. mention the fact that she had a family, that she had an adopted son and all this stuff. They just make it sound like she huh. just lives alone, and all she has is this is this housekeeper that she has to get rid of because she's so poor because she can't afford it anymore. And even at the end, the movie ends with this completely made-up speech of Walt Disney telling, uh, convincing P.L. Travers that he has to sell Mary Poppins to him so he can give Mary Poppins back to the world. Like, No! Are you And he's like, you have me? to let the world know about Mary Poppins. Despite the that fact gave that... me goosebumps and like shithead goosebumps. Like, she's already made this. Is she's already written books about Mary Poppins. It's not like she's keeping Mary Poppins a secret. It's just oh, the most man. like oh, it's the, the funny thing. It's still an entertaining movie. Oh, the, the, the aside from the fact that half the movie is unfortunately though. This is the other thing about. I mean, I'm spending way too much time talking about uh, saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> it's fine. The only un- un- uh, the other unfortunate thing about it is half the movie is flashbacks to uh, P.L. Travers growing up as a poor little farmer kid in Australia. For some right. reason, they, they, they adhere to the structure where every five minutes there has to be a flashback to her childhood for, throughout the entire duration of the film. But the interesting parts of her flashback don't kick in until half the movie is over. And so for the first half of the movie, you're jumping back every literally every five to ten minutes to a flashback where it's just her randomly hanging out with her dad, played by Minority Report. Who's the guy in Minority, in Minority Report? Minority. The Irish dude, Colin Farrell. Is that his name? Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's actually really good. For, He's kind of cute. He's funny. For a minute there, I totally uh, confused Minority Report with... Uh, with Star Wars. No. What? Wait, no, no, no. Minority 
Report. You're thinking of the Total Recall me remake because my honorary report was uh, Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, no, but also call it no. Colin Farrell also shows up and then gets shot. He's oh, he's a. That's, that's, <laughs> are you kidding me? He's, he's I'm it. seriously sitting here going, Tom Cruise is playing Wait, dad. Wait, what movie was Colin Farrell been the main actor in? In Bruges, he was in the Total Recall remake. I, who the hell saw uh, that? <laughs> More oh, okay. people than so can Total remember Recall. that Colin Farrell was even in Minority Report. I'm just saying, Total Recall did make a very cute alcoholic father who dies of consumption. Yeah. But you only mm-hmm. find out that he dies until, like, yeah, this is... Well, sure. Bill, I think you mean uh, Alexander. Yeah! Oh, no! Was that Alexander? <laughs> and not... What was the other... Because he had Troy and Alexander at the same time, right? Yeah, he was... He played Alexander and Alexander. Didn't... Yeah. Wasn't... Wait, didn't... What, what's her face play his mom? Ooh. Oh yeah, wasn't it? Uh, what's your butt? Yeah, uh, Laura Croft, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Man, I still can't you like how I just did Laura this Croft gesture face. towards my lips. Yeah, this gesture <laughs> towards my lips. Me and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Um. So yeah, that's my review of Saving Mr. Banks. It's kind of insidious, even though it's well. And not even well made. You know what? Actually, I was gonna say it's well made. It's got the production value of a Lifetime TV movie. Oh seriously? Yeah, just you kind of watch it. It just kind of looks like it's made by like, like Lifetime. It's all like it looks like a ta- like a douche commercial where it's all like golden <laughs> sunlight and the like. Like I said, the music isn't very good. And there's some terrible CGI effects in there. Yeah. The best part, like actually watching it, uh, the best part is actually the best parts are kind of like seeing the make some of the making of uh, Mary Poppins stuff. Uh, although even that is kind of weird because the only uh, parts about Mary Poppins they talk about during these making of bits are parts of the movie that wound up in the finished film. Mm-hmm. Which is a little weird because, like, you think of mixing a couple things in there that like, maybe didn't make it to the finished film just to show off, like, like there was a process here if there was, we created some stuff yeah. that, like, was... Re- especially because the gist of the whole movie is P.L. Travers go in there, she's like, I'm going to reject all of their ideas. And all of the ideas they pitch were stuff that ends up in the finished movie, so it makes, it even, makes her seem even more ineffectual. But the other thing is yeah. uh, the re- recreation of 1960s Disneyland. It's kind of cool. Like, I guess, I don't know yeah. how much of that is, is maybe CGI versus, I'm sure, I mean, they obviously had access to the park, so they go back and kind of refurbish parts of it for filming to make it look like the 1960s again. But, like, even all the balloons and all, like, the, the costume characters yeah. are all, like, kind of the crummy costumes from, like, the late 50s, early 60s. So it's kind of like yeah. off-model Mickey Mouse costumes and stuff like that. Kind of the creepy yeah. stuff of that era, but, yeah, that's kind of cool. Anyway. That's pretty Fuck great. Saving Mr. Banks. I'm, t- I'm talking about it, finally. <laughs> In summation. But, Annie, yeah, you guys see save, uh, 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 Wolf of Wall Street. I will. I will. It's at the Hollywood now. I really want to go because I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't been to the Hollywood really. really see, it's, if you got nothing going on tonight. I have things going on tonight, tomorrow night, tonight? and Monday night. Oh, I have a friend coming over. A friend We have a over. Lost Girl date. Thank you. Uh, we're catching up on... Oh, that reminds me. I actually need to be torrenting that. Um, we're catching up on Lost Girl. Annie plays Internet Dumpster. Excuse me, Internet Dumpster, I mean. <clears throat> uh, so, what else happened? Uh, what else? Uh, oh, community. I... Oh, yeah, tell me about community. You hate Bill. community, right? I am a Parks and Rec person, and you have to pick one. Uh, you, know, you, you know what? Now that the... Wait, who's... Star, uh, Star Trek... Uh, no, wait. Star Trek First Contact's dad. No way! <laughs> I have no idea who you're talking about! I'm lying! I'm, I'm doing this wrong! Parks and Recreation's dad is now in, on Community. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, bro- Step Brothers' dad. Who's the guy from Step Brothers? 
The guy from Step Brothers. Do you mean Will Ferrell or John C. Riley? No. Um. Who's Amy Poehler? <laughs> Amy Poehler's husband's dad. The guy from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Why would I give a shit about the guy from Breaking Bad? You got community. I was trying to convince me. He plays the dad of the dude from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Why? Would Yes, this guy who played a bit character one episode of Parkers and Recreation. That's gonna get me onto community. <laughs> well, now he also he's on he's on Community now too. Sure, sure. The okay. end. Well, that really? was five minutes of shit. I need to delete from this podcast. <laughs> no, that's interesting. What does he? What role does he play in the show? Well, they essentially got rid of Chevy Chase's character because Chevy Chase threw a fit and left at the end of uh, the last season. Which is right. funny because well, the big reason everyone's flipping out about Community coming back is because. The guy who created Community was always at loggerheads with Chevy Chase. Because Chevy right. Chase is an asshole. And it seems like the guy who made Community is kind of a dipshit, too. But um, yeah. So, uh, last season, the guy who made, who made Community got thrown off the show because Chevy Chase kept on complaining about him to the network. The network yeah. said, well, either we got to get rid of the creator of Community or we got to get rid of Chevy Chase. And I guess they figured Chevy Chase was still a bankin- bankable enough star that it was worth getting rid of the show's creator to keep him on the show, which is kind of nuts, but that's sounds like yeah, part of the course of Hollywood. But Chevy Chase, like, whoever the, were the new showrunners they brought in, he still was conflicted enough with those guys that he still wound up abandoning the show halfway through last season anyway. Oh, yeah. And so, with Chevy Chase gone, that left the door open for the network to bring back the creator of com- uh, Community to start work on the show again. Sure. And so the first thing he did was he replaced Chevy Chase's character with the old dude from Breaking Bad. Uh, he creates huh. a new character. It's not like he's pretending to be Chevy Chase, as amazing as that would be. That would be intense. But that guy's a great actor. He's this old man who's just kind of old and grumpy, but, like, he's, like, everyone's... Like, if you had the world's most awesome grandpa, it would be this yeah. guy. And uh, he's actually... Um, also, Chevy Chase's character on Community was supposed to be this old, kind of racist, homophobic guy. And his uh-huh. character never really gelled because the whole point of his character was just, like, random racist gay jokes. Yeah. Which, even if you try to put a kind of a fun, wacky spin on it, it's just never really going to be funny. Yeah, wacky hatred is still hate. So, yeah, so the show's better off for having gotten rid of Chevy Chase. And the fact that they replaced him with this much better actor with a uh. much cooler character. I mean, still kind of like, yeah. they, they, for some reason, they still needed to, re- felt re- like they had to replace the old crusty white guy with another old crusty white guy. But yeah. uh, this guy's also, he's a, he's a teacher at this community college. And he's just kind of the this kind of crusty, curmudgeonly guy. He's just a great actor. Um, if yeah. you've ever seen on Breaking Bad, he's fucking fantastic. Jonathan Banks, I love that guy. And the fact that he's getting work on stuff like Parks and Recreation, uh, playing Adam Scott. Is it Adam Scott? Yeah. Uh, playing Adam you Scott's remember dad. his name. Now, That's so good. is that the actor or the character's name? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. That's expected. That is the actor's that is, name. The what? character's name is Ben Hyatt. Ben, okay, that's what it is, yeah. I, I, I was really expi- excited last year when he showed up as, as as Ben's dad on Parks and Recreation, but that was only for one episode. It seems like uh, he's going to be a major part of the cast going forward with the community, which is great. And oh, community was fantastic. actually pretty cute. It was actually pretty funny, too. So That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Robots. Community. What else? Well, uh, the most, the number one most important thing that happened last week Crash was... Crash Team Racing, uh, which was a PlayStation 1 game created by Naughty Dog back in the day. It's it's a Mario Kart rickoff, n- Mario knockoff, Kart. but it's 
It's a, but it's all with Crash, Crash Bandicoot characters. And back in the day, I fucking loved that game. My sister and I would play that for hours and hours on end. And uh, it occurred to me that it was totally for download on uh, the Sony store for PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. So I made a comment to Foley on Twitter. I'm like, Foley, cancel our schedule. We're playing uh, Crash Team Racing. My friend Conley was like, oh, you mean I'm going to demolish you at Crash Team Racing? And we wound up having a Crash Team Racing like uh, mini tournament that night, totally impromptu, with Conley, Jimmy, Foley, and myself. I gotta say... It was pretty intense. Uh, uh, in the end, Jimmy and I tied. Conley was right on our heels. And Foley, who had never played this game before in her life, nor had she ever really played a kart racing game before in her life, was last. But the last level, the very last level of the game, she beat our asses handily. Like, she was four or five seconds ahead of us past the finish line. It was something like in a sports movie. I gotta tell you, man. It was like she may have quote unquote lost, but she won. Let's be honest. Could you, could you play this four players at once? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's couch co-op. Oh man, that sounds like a good yeah. time. I missed that so shit. It, like, is it a good kart racer? Yeah, oh, it was a lot great. of fun. It was a lot. All of fun. your asses. No. Oh no. Uh, Jimmy and I tied. Thank you. I'm just Thank saying. You. I'm just saying. <laughs> what characters did you but, choose? I don't know anything about Crash uh, Bandicoot characters, but. Uh, I'm so, assuming it's the Mario Kart style of different characters to different weights and handling and all that stuff. Exactly. You know. So, like, your your most balanced characters are Crash and the antagonist, whose name is Dr. Engine, I want to say. And then, like, I normally play... Is it not Dr. The... Ive? Dr. Ive? Because <laughs> I like to, in this game, I like to drive... <laughs> There we go. With his cousin, Dr. Ink. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. The, uh, uh, I usually play the polar bear because the polar bear is cutest. Yeah. No, that's why uh, I play Mario the... Kart. I'm always, uh, 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 Toad or, uh, uh, Koopa. Yeah, well, the polar bear has best turning. Oh. Uh, poor speed, poor acceleration, but good turning. Did they only make uh, one full... Crash Team Racing game? I'm pretty sure they did. I know Naughty Dog only did. Oh, okay. Um... I'm glad that you played that. Not just like you bought it for yourself, but you actually had people over and had a whole Crash Team Racing night. It was a, a lot of fun, Aww. I gotta say, my friend. So I'm really glad we did it. Yeah, so hooray yeah, for a fun was... mascot racer. Man, that sounds great! Yeah, it was, it was really, really Are you gonna good. have people over it's to a... play uh, episode one uh, podcast? Podcast racer? <laughs> wow. Man, pod racer. As soon as pod racer is available for download on console, I will download the hell <laughs> It'll never be because it was a Nintendo 64 game, and I guess Nintendo just doesn't make virtual console games anymore. Yeah. Oh, and I'll, how about that? There was a sequel to Crash Team Racing called Crash Nitro Kart, which was developed by Vicarious Visions, not Naughty Dog. What's Vicarious Visions do? That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. They did a bunch of Game Boy games back in the day. Oh. Uh, oh, a shit ton. Of, they made a lot of ports to Game Boy Advance. So if you if there was a game you wanted to play and all you had was a Game Boy Advance and you bought the Game Boy Advance game, it was made by Vicarious Visions. Oh, so did you actually, um, speaking of Sony stuff, did you actually end up playing any Tearaway this morning? Oh, yes, I did. I played literally... All of five minutes of Tearaway, because I, what happened was, this morning, I woke up, I kissed my wife, I sent her out into the world, and then I was like, oh shit, I promised Bill I would play some Tearaway, 
before the podcast. Yeah. And I pick up the Vita, and I kind of blearily sit up and start playing the game. There's no juice. And Bill... Bill had told... No, no, no. It had a ton of juice. Okay. It was all powered up. I unplugged it from the charger. But Bill had even warned me of this, that it uses the front-facing camera, and that your face is a prominent part of the game. But I gotta tell you, I posted it to my Twitter, actually. Like, just having woken up, shitty hair. Oh, I didn't even like, see this. bleary-eyed... Like, you're looking down, so you got all fat shit. Oh, yeah, no, it's and it's usually like, terrible lighting, so you're just going the worst, darkest pot. Yeah, no, you're going to look like a wreck in that game. It was literally the last thing I wanted to see this morning, <laughs> so I played all of the, um, like, all of ten minutes of it before I was like, this, I can't handle this. Oh, I see the picture, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. It was terrible. That's pretty oh. much yeah. Especially any part of this game where you're going to be the sun, you kind of have to be in a well lit place because otherwise you're just going to be this black hole sun floating in the sky. But yeah, no, terrible. I will play some more of it, but like the five minutes I played were alarming, and that is why unrelated this glass of whiskey that was full is now empty. <laughs> Because I, I learned, Tearaway taught me this morning I'm a hideous troll beast, and I'm glad I found love, despite all the odds. Oh my god. See, at least my face was perfectly round and fat, so I was perfect for the sun. <laughs> With pubic hair on it. Just, ugh. Oh, man. Anyway, so is, is that the end of our first part of the podcast? I think that's all we got for, for our, that's all I have to share with my week, my friends. And this is so our let's really elegant break. outro for this, for this segment. Super, super good. Well, good news, everybody. During the last ten minutes, I found in a dumpster all the episode of Lost Girls I had to download. So, phew. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for staying with me as I'm uh, totally rooted around that dumpster. Woo! Much appreciated. Uh, we'll be back in a little bit and share the Geek Week. I need to breathe, don't need to be a hero. And are you reading me loud and clear? Oh, please, Mr. Kennedy. I think human beings should be able to lay eggs. I mean, I don't know if you want to have to lay eggs with a hard shell, because that just seems to be like a lot of work. Also, if you're laying an egg, how do you guarantee that your contractions don't break the egg, and then you just got like scrambled egg coming out of you? Um, as a male, I would gladly volunteer. Like, if you could just make it so that both genders could lay eggs, just to make it easier for ladies. This is how I'd pick up chicks at bars. <laughs> I'd love them. <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm all for equal egg-laying rights. <laughs> like, what? What? I'm like, yeah, I'm one of those guys who believes that not only should human beings all lay eggs, but we should all lay eggs. Fuck that menstruation stuff. You should just... What, wait, eggs? How do you fertilize eggs? Because don't, like, fish, they like, shoot eggs out, and then the dudes just come all over the eggs, and that makes the fish... Like, chickens, that's not how chickens work. Like, chickens don't, like, just shit the eggs out and then, like, the, the, the roosters shit on the eggs and the eggs turn into chickens, no? So, chickens have sex. Chickens have penises? But do chickens have vaginas? Because I know they have cloacas, and don't cloacas replace the vagina? And so, when a rooster has sex with a hen, is it anal and vaginal sex at the same time? I just, I should work at the zoo. 
and not like be an educator but just be a thinker and just go up to children and, and just come up with hypothetical questions like this that I want them to figure out like you have to go into zoology and figure this out and get back to me science hasn't figured this out yet because if science had figured this out yet I would have learned about it in school myself you gotta be it's a wonderful world you're gonna learn all this shit I'm never gonna know like the chickens fuck the cloaca <laughs> my new band name Chick do chickens fuck the cloaca um what else happened um I'm serious if people want to send me uh, quaaludes Lemon714 Quaaludes. Uh, I'll accept them at 1544 uh, Southeast 48th Street, Portland, Oregon, 97215. Um, is it illegal to mail Quaaludes? Is it illegal to possess Quaaludes? Because I know it's illegal to manufacture Quaaludes. Is it legal? Oh man, I should not be broadcasting this because you know the FBI is watching this shit because they're like that. That Bill Mudger and Annie Maloney, they're rascals. We gotta make sure that they're not trying to rise up against the state. Especially they hear us talking about these Assassin's Creed games. They're like, they may be coming up with ideas from those Assassin's Creed games that they need to take out the government. If they suddenly think the government is run by the Templars, they, they, they could become a problem for us. We gotta take those motherfuckers out. So they may be watching us today. I do have, man, my hair. My hair doesn't look good when I put bullshit in. It kinda just looks thinned out like hedgehog bullshit. So, uh, oh, hey, uh, did you fix your pants problem? Oh, Annie can't hear. All right, thank you, friend. How'd everything come out? Wait. Terribly. It's like I killed a man in my vagina just to watch him die. Uh, see, it wouldn't be so bad if you couldn't feel that you leaked through stuff. Oh, see, that's the worst part, because it's always when you're in a meeting that you can't get out of, or something. It's just... I'm sorry, I, Bill, I'm such a monster grumpus today. I apologize. It's really... Uh, um, I'm having a shitty day. My depression is kicking my ass. Life stuff's kicking my ass. Work stuff's kicking my ass. And I'm on my period. Hey, so at least I'm just... that means you're fertile Hakuna Matata circle of life. <laughs> Thank God I can still bear children. That's the one thing that keeps me going. I, you know, I'm just saying, you can, like, you know, you can have a baby. Man, I'm reading this one romance novel, and it's, uh, I'm reading this het romance novel, and man, I have been so used to reading lesbian romance novels for so long, uh, that, uh, the characters keep thinking, saying things like, oh, will this one be the father of my children? I can't marry this guy, so why am I even bothering? And I keep thinking, who, oh, that's right, heteros, that's right. Reproduction! Okay. Uh, that whole thing. Uh, get over it, kids. Yeah. Wouldn't it be terrifying to have a baby? Would and just the whole act of being baby? pregnant would be horrifying. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on the context. Would it be terrifying to have a baby on a boat in the middle of nowhere with no medical attention all alone? Yeah, that'd be yes. bad. But even if you have doctors and stuff like that, you know, knowing the fact that you have to essentially squeeze a small frozen turkey out of a hole the size of your thumb... I don't know, man. As a person, as a self-holding person who uh, sometimes pines for the sweet release of death and suffering, <laughs> the, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, baby, and... Also, Annie, can you... Can you I, I was having this conversation with myself while you were gone. Do chickens have vaginas? Yes. 
But that, that, don't chickens have cloacas? A cloaca, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is just a band of muscle that protects a body opening, correct? I, no, I thought the cloaca was the anus and the vagina mixed together in a delightful meeting of two worlds. Uh, let's Because I was trying to figure out, well, I was talking about how humanity, how women would be better off if we got rid of menstrual stuff and just made it so women laid eggs. But that's unfair to make women lay eggs, especially if they're hard-shelled eggs, and that all... Oh, Bill! It gets even better. I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you because you're gonna enjoy this. Yeah. I'm looking at... I looked up cloaca on Wikipedia. <laughs> Birds also... You're correct. The cloaca is the posterior opening that serves the only opening for the intestinal, reproductive, and urinary tracts of certain animal species. If you scroll down to the bird section, birds reproduce with this organ, quote, this is known as the cloacal kiss, unquote. <laughs> Birds that mate using this method touch their cloacae together. In some species, for only a few seconds, sufficient time for sperm to be transferred from That's male what I was trying to figure out, because, like, the chickens have penises? You never heard about the chicken penis. When you're cutting up a chicken, you don't have to cut the penis off. And I'll talk about the cock cock. Oh, my God. Uh, well, that's what for I'm talking about. Birds. If all humans have to lay eggs, then we would just do cloacal kissing. So, it's for some birds, such as ostriches cassowaries, kiwi, geese, and some species of swans and ducks. No wonder geese the males are do not out. use the males do not use their cloaca for reproduction but have a phallus. Oh no. Uh, in those, the penis helps ensure that water does not wash away the male sperm during copulation. Well, that's what it's cuz I know like hey, wow, this is what I'm talking about. Fish they do the thing where the eggs just shoot out of the female and and the dudes just jerk off on the eggs and that makes the babies. I didn't know like if chickens do the same thing because that sounds fucked up. Because who wants to eat a chicken egg that it, that a rooster came on? This is my, <laughs> and this is the prequel to uh, Disney's Robin Hood. This is what the guy was singing oh. right before he picked up that guitar. He's like, "Excuse me, I gotta I gotta jerk off on these eggs my wife just laid." Because uh-huh, we don't have any yeah. kids yet, but we've been trying real hard. <laughs> Mostly because I've been singing too much. I haven't had time to. Uh, that's my. <laughs> uh huh. Keep going, Bill. You know Vicarious Visions, by the way, because they did some of the Guitar Hero games. Oh, okay. All that's how you know them. Did they? By the way. Did they do Guitar Hero games nineteen through forty-five? <laughs> Actually, yes. That's kind of their jam. Man, going to this new generation. One of the things that uh, I was thinking about the other day is how unfortunate none of that content. Uh, it gets brought over to to the new consoles. You know, I was just thinking that myself because I was like, "Oh, this PS3 game, uh, this downloadable PS3 game. Surely I can play it on my PS4, and I can't. Really? How much does that suck? No, I can't. Well, think about it. The PS3 architecture is that whole cell based architecture. Oh, that's right. You know, so all of those. That's why when you go to the PS4 downloadable store, it's kind of a whistling wasteland. Because they can't grandfather in all that content. Well, I know some Can games play... are being ported over to the... Because I think Guacamelee is coming out for the PlayStation 4, and I think they've already said that right. if you buy the PlayStation 4 version, you get the PlayStation 3 and the uh, right. Vita version. Right. Um, do 360 games, downloadable games, work on the Xbox One? Oh, hell no. Yeah. The, neither neither console ne, neither next gen console does backwards compatibility for anything so far. Well, see, I'm not talking about I'm not necessarily talking about disc backwards compatibility. I'm talking about downloadable game compatibility. Like I think there's like zero downloadable games for the aside from like Killer Instinct for the Xbox One, like yeah. much less anything that was on the uh, original Xbox. 
It's interesting because not on the original time... Xbox, but on the 360. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm with you. But, I mean, that were, down, that were digital native. Yeah. No, this, that, that's not that I know of. This is a problem that never really occurred to me, was that all this downloadable content would be lost to that system as well. Because yeah. you just can't help but think of digital data, digital content as being somehow more timeless and accessible. Yeah. At least Sony, and yet, is, you know, like I said, at least Sony's doing the, the nice thing of, like, Journey. Like, Journey was one of the first downloadable games you could buy for the PlayStation 4, and they made it say, hey, if you bought it on another console, uh, if you bought it on the PlayStation 3, you get like, this, you're, you're just getting it, the, you get it for free. Oh, you mean, um, you mean Flower? Or Flower, yeah. But they said, yeah. it sounds like they're going to do the same thing with Journey too. but... Yeah. yeah, but the Xbox, Microsoft's been completely mum about how any of that works, which pretty much means that, that they know you. If, if they're going to port any of those old digital games over the Xbox One, you're probably going to have to buy it all over again. Oh, man, that just sucks. Yeah, especially for... I mean, uh, but... Yeah. It's just losing all that stuff to, to the Because, yeah, the people have bought a shitload of... X. I've bought a shitload of uh, Xbox Live games. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff is like fucking tears and rain right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've still got but the console like... over there. I can fire it up, but, like... Oh, yeah. How many consoles do you need to hook up your TV at once? Like, two Xboxes, two Playstations? Uh, well, I guess yeah. no one's got a Wii U hooked up anymore, so at least that clears up one uh, USB <laughs> cable. But That's true. Yeah. Oh, man, so my compu- my television died a while ago, and uh, the way it died is that it, is that the HDMI imports, imports aren't working. Only one HDMI import works at any given time. So that's fine. I got an HDMI splitter. No big deal. But my HDMI splitter is only a three-cable HDMI splitter, which did not matter until we got the PS4. And now it's like, what do I unplug? Do I unplug the Apple TV? Do I unplug the PS3? Do I unplug the 360? Do I unplug the PS4? And invariably, whatever one I choose is the one that I want to use next. Mm -hmm. This has happened every time. I have a... I have a USB splitter uh, for that I've got all my consoles running through. For some reason, if I have played... The Xbox One will not send a signal to my TV if I have played either the Wii U or the PlayStation 4 within the hour before firing up the Xbox. If I wait an really? hour, for some reason, it'll send a signal through the USB router. Uh, I'm assuming this is more of a USB router than an Xbox One, but it only happens with the Xbox One where it gets... Uh, like, gets pissy if I've played another console before it. Which <laughs> You were cheating on me! That sounds I'm kind through. of in keeping with the Xbox One in general, but yeah. Yeah. No, my, my HDMI splitter is kind of great in that it has a button that you can press to fit switch the feeds, but it'll also it somehow can tell when you're actively engaging and using inputs into a different oh um, yeah that's nice uh, that's good hdmi thing yeah. and it'll just switch to the other one so like thank christ my television broke in such a way that i could buy a ten dollar piece of hardware from amazon yeah, and kind of, solve yeah, my problem it, yeah. but um uh yeah it's just been i just need to give up and acknowledge that i just need to uh unplug my uh see no i say that we've been playing ps4 I've been playing PS3 because we've been, uh, we showed some friends, Last of Us, and we've been replaying Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted, I had to do my Xbox so that I could do um, uh, uh, the Walking Dead game. Yeah, and, that's that's the thing. Uh, I know I'm gonna have to fire up the X, like hook up the Xbox One again just to play the Walking Dead, which I didn't get around to hooking it up again so I can play the uh, Saint Safe Christmas, which kind of bums me out. Oh, dude, you got the Saint Safe Christmas. I'll play it. It's just. 
I, honestly, I, I, I got so wrapped up in other stuff. Well, you know what? Oh, if, I totally if people hadn't gifted me so many Steam games, I would have probably wound up hooking up the Xbox. <laughs> but that was so inundated between Assassin's Creed 4 and all the Steam games and stuff. Like, yeah, I didn't have time to hook up the, the original. Uh, <laughs> I, keep, I keep on calling it the original Xbox. The Xbox I know, 360. That's what I, keep, I keep wanting to keep saying uh, myself. Which is funny that it's I a... can say, like, I keep on thinking the original Xbox and compared to this something that is now out called the Xbox One. But Yeah. yeah. Man, this shit is confusing. You know what? God bless PlayStation. At least they're fucking numbering that shit. It's like, no, it's the PS1 as opposed to PS2 yeah. as opposed to PS3 as PS4. It sounds like, like okay, uh, the, the data sounds like the PlayStation 4 really is uh, outselling the Xbox One now. Not that the... I can't get... Oh, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I can't get over how good that controller feels in my hands. Man. My God. I've, I <laughs> was worried that like I was going to wear out my uh, PlayStation 1 controller. I'd used it so much in the last... Uh, or own a PlayStation 4 controller. I've used it so much in the last two weeks. But man, yeah, no, it's a it's a fucking good, it feels better. Man, it beats the shit out of that Xbox One controller. It's not even funny. It is the best controller I've ever held in my hands, just as a tactile experience. I um, got a Razer controller for my Xbox 360. Honestly, just because I'm an idiot and they had a battle damaged um, Mass Effect one, and I'm like done. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. But it, and when I first got it, I was like, whatever, it's another 360 controller, I don't give a shit. But over time, like, all the little tweaks that had been done to its design made me realize how much more superior that controller was to the 360 design. And now I go back to the 360 design, and just the regular one, and it feels clunky in my hands yeah. and just awkward. And that's now how I feel about all controllers that aren't PS4 controllers. See, uh... <laughs> They're all garbage. The, like, I, I still think the Xbox One controller is fine, except the, uh... They've, yeah, they've, they've changed the way that your fingers rest on the shoulder buttons, which it feels yeah. a lot narrower and feels worse. Yeah. And it seems like an arbitrary change that they shouldn't have made because I like, I don't know. I I I, I still don't have any problems with the original Xbox three, the original Xbox three hundred and sixty controller. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that Xbox. Uh, well, I, like I, I think I mentioned this last week how I bought Forza just to have something to play on the Xbox One, and then, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But yeah, no, the PlayStation Four controller is way better than the Xbox One. Yeah, it's like I said, it's kind of like the. Um that the Razer controller, where I was really happy with the 360 controller, and it was my favorite controller to use, until I found something better, yeah. and now it's trouble, trouble for me to go back. So before we go on to the Geek Week interview, I will say this. Um, if you have a Vita, I had mentioned before that the one reason why, one of the reasons why I struggled with the Vita was that um, it was uncomfortable in my hands, mm -hmm. that it would hurt my hands over time. Uh, I wound up getting from Amazon a USB charge cable for my Vita, um, because I had lost my charger. And while I was at it... What'd your cat do? My cat my cat has this habit of chewing on our blinds. And at first we thought she was chewing on the blinds to... <laughs> cat tail. Sorry. At, at first I thought she was chewing on the blinds to um, get them open so she could go and sit against the window. Uh -huh. But she just fucking likes to chew on the goddamn blinds. I don't understand it. Like, the blinds will be up... The window will be open, there will be birds outside in a world of adventure, and she will still get on her little hind legs and reach up to gnaw That is a dense creature. Goddamn. Did goddamn you see... It. Did you see... You, you, that's right, I forgot you don't follow me on Twitter. You didn't see the, uh... The, the link I posted to the Boston area animal control listing for a 20-pound uh, short gray-haired tabby? 
No. It is not a fat 20-pound cat. It is a, just a giant fucking 20-pound cat called Pickles. <laughs> oh, yeah? There's one picture of the cat on its haunches, on its hind legs, reaching up to a kitchen counter at someone's home, and it stretches its t- from it, 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 its front paws will reach up on the top of the counter with its hind legs on the floor. This cat uh-huh. is so big; it's like a small dog. It's it's like even bigger wow. than a small dog because a small dog cannot reach up on the top of a kitchen counter from from the floor mm-hmm. uh, from the, the the floor. But yeah, pickles pickles the twenty pound cat. Oh, that's cute. Um, so what I was getting was uh, when I was buying the charge cable. I had mentioned before that I had trouble gripping the Vita because of hand, just my hands just cramped, and I bought the cheapest, like, add-on that had the highest reviews on Amazon, which was the PDP PS Vita Trigger Grips. Mm -hmm. It is currently $10 on Amazon, and I gotta say, that is the smartest decision I have ever made. Because it is so, it, it gives your palms like a little more of a rest, and it um, oh. makes the triggers into actual the shoulder buttons into actual triggers, and it is meant night and day. I went from not being able to play the Vita for more than maybe twenty minutes at a time without severe hand pain to be able to play for about an hour at a time. I'm glad you picked that up just in time for Tearaway. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommended if you like me experience those issues. Highly recommend if you're the one person who has a Vita other than me and Bill <laughs> that you go and pick up these trigger grips because god damn it spared it spared my little paws to a degree that I appreciate deeply. Uh, deeply. there is no uh, it doesn't encumber like the using the back uh, touch touch uh, pad or anything, does it? Not at all. It's all open in the back. It's essentially an open frame with the uh, uh, with uh, on the right and left with these grips and trigger extensions. But the face is open and the back is open, so you can still do all the touch controls, everything like that. And it's incredibly lightweight. It's there's not much to it. Like I said, it's only like ten bucks, which for the precision engineering that that requires is pretty damn impressive. But, uh, yeah. I gotta tell you, man, working in manufacturing changes your perspective on how much things can cost, mm-hmm. should cost. Because I, as a consumer, like, like maybe seven years ago, would have gone, ten bucks, that's as much as I'm willing to pay for that. <laughs> Whereas now, as a person who had to get involved in any sort of manufacturing at all, I was like, damn, Ten dollars? How many units did they have to buy? Fuck, that's really precise. They must have gotten a really good vendor that can meet their specifications that fit its seats up Vita perfectly. That's really impressive. God damn. Ugh. Anyway, that's the story of how I became fun at parties by getting really involved in manufacturing. So, what song are you going to request from KK Slider tonight? <laughs> um, considering my um uh. Game Boy, what is that called even? Anymore? Game Boy. What is that? It's called it's a, a Nintendo 3DS. DS. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, it's not even a DS, it's a 3DS. Excuse Man, me. Man, you fell Considering... off that wagon pretty fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even remember fucking console it was. I'll tell you this, though. The 3DS is interesting because the 3DS, you pick it up after a while and you're like, yeah, that's a 3DS. Whereas the Vita, I had not played with the Vita for a long time. Yeah. But goddamn, picking up the Vita after even a year... That is a beautiful piece no, it's, of hardware. It's, it's, it's a nice system. God and it's got damn, great the games. sound is so good. Oh my god, you can play all uh, the old Square Enix uh, role-playing games. Such a I good, still, good I still, thing. I may have mentioned this earlier on this, this even on this same episode that, but they could stop putting out Vita games tomorrow, and I still think that console, the Vita, would be worth buying just for the backlog of 
Final Fantasy and Square games on there that you can play on the go. Yeah, man, I gotta, I gotta play. Damn it, who was telling me about who? Who was it? Um, Jacob who submitted his top games of 2013, and uh, he had put uh, that one old PS1 Square Enix game on mm-hmm. there. Like, I need to. I can't remember what that game is called now. It starts with a V, and there's a. Damn, not Valhalla Rising. No. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like, I gotta go back and play some old games. On the other hand, it's funny. I was talking to Foley about this, and uh, she was like, you should play more JRPGs. And, you know, like, poor Grumpy Turtle. He is sitting at home shouting at the screen right now because I still haven't played, finished playing Lost Odyssey. It's interesting. My patience for, like, spending hundreds and hundreds of hours on an RPG is totally gone. I don't know if it's just that when I was young and sad and didn't have many relationships that were meaningful to me that I could do that, but, like, and I'll, I I say that, and Fallout 4 is going to come out, and I'm going to spend 300 hours playing it, but even then, I'm going to play Fallout 4 with my wife in our house, and it's going to be a thing, as opposed to, like, even Persona. I only played as much Persona as I did, which was maybe about... 13 hours because my wife got interested in um, peering over my shoulder in bed and we played it together and it's like the older I get and the more that our relationship like that games become part of our relationship in that games as something we can share become a part of our relationship Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to justify spending times with games that we can't share I was actually really surprised that I spent as much time with Shadowrun Returns because Shadowrun Returns is a game that I is just not terribly good to play with her and um, like for example the reason why I have not finished I have no mouth but I'm a scream even though I'm almost done with it and it's not that long a game is that those sorts of games are just not terribly interesting to play with another person and, uh, yeah, it, like, I, I met a very nice lady at PAX who's really into interactive fiction, and she gave me this long list of recommendations and how I can play them and all that, and I haven't played any of them, just that it's not something I can share with Foley. And it's like, if I can't share a game with Foley, the likelihood of me playing it goes down a hundredfold. It really, really does. I just wanted to make an offer to you. Uh, it's funny, t- talking about the 3DS stuff just got me thinking about, um, I keep on wanting you to play Fire Emblem. Right. And so I actually went on Amazon to see if they're actually still selling Fire Emblem, and they seem to be out of stock at the moment. And so I thought, well, what if I gift Annie a copy of Fire Emblem through the eShop? Because you could buy a digital download. Uh, Nintendo, in all its wisdom, uh, seems to make it so you can't uh, gift any games on the 3DS digitally. Because That's Nintendo so hates money. Also, Dude, Xbox does the same thing! Well, looking to just buy... Uh, I just went on to Amazon to see if I could buy... An, a 3ds eShop gift card code that kind of that I could spend, you know, buy uh, forty dollars worth of gift card codes, send you the codes, and then you could just uh, have that money to download the game. Uh, you can't do that. <laughs> um, you could buy on Amazon. You could buy a prepaid eShop uh, card for tw- uh, twenty dollar eShop card for thirty dollars. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? Um, what I should do? I'm gonna make this off to you to you now. Um. There's a new 3DS game called Bravely Default coming out in a month that I'll probably want to play. I Do you want to borrow my 3DS XL? And uh, I've already got my copy of Fire Emblem burned on there. You want to play that this month? Or at least just check it out the next time I see you? Maybe. I'm trying to think of what our gaming agenda is like. Yeah. Um, Realistically, I'm not going to play probably... the 3DS for the, for the rest of the month, really. 
Well, in all honesty, if you're getting a new game and it's a game that you're not gonna um, necessarily revisit, we could just swap 3DSs. Oh, that's actually a good point, yeah. As much as I'm sure you would hate to go back to a non-XL for well, this the, game. Well, you should definitely, if you're gonna play Fire Emblem, you should definitely play it on the XL, because it's bigger screen, and also, it's only, like I said, it's a strategy game, so it's nice to have that extra real estate just to kind of like be able to move and control stuff. And the game actually does look and sound gorgeous, so it's definitely worth getting on the XL. And the other thing I was thinking about, too, uh, for Fire Emblem, they did put out uh, three DLC packs for the game, all three of which I bought, which do the amazing thing of... Fire Emblem already has easy, hard, difficult modes. The DLC yeah. that they put out makes gives you a three different missions that let you grind for an infinite amount of either uh, cash, experience... Or I forget the what what the third thing is, but essentially if you buy this DLC, which I did, which which should work with uh, if you open up an extra save on my copy, my downloaded copy of Fire Emblem, uh, you should be able to get almost pretty much infinite resources to play the game with, and nice. so then you could just worry about like all the character stuff, which is my favorite part of the game. And you could still you yeah. know there's still strategy battle stuff, but you would not have to worry about like oh my god I don't have enough money to get healing potions or anything like that. So, yeah. and, like, the uh, the optimum experience for you for playing that game would be if I just let you my 3DS. So, yeah, it, it, like, uh, yeah, next time you see you, I can just, I just, I can just voice off the 3DS to you. Yeah, let's, let's table this discussion, but I am firmly, I do want to play Fire Emblem. Well, that's the other thing, too. Like, even if I, if I just let you borrow the game, if you play it for five minutes and say, that's bullshit, at least there's no investment lost or anything like that, so that that's kind of the idea. Though so I, I am, I do know enough about video games to know that that is not the sort of game that I can play five minutes and say, this is bullshit. Just like in Persona, I know for a fact that even though I've played this game about 10 to 15 hours, I haven't gotten to the actual game yet. <laughs> See, at least, no, Fire Emblem, so. you, you, you play that game for an hour, you're actually into the game. It's not like that kind okay, of thing. Yeah, yeah no, Fire, like, I beat Fire Emblem in like 20 hours. It's not a lengthy oh, game. Oh, that's good. Um, That's great. But, yeah, monkey pants. <laughs> well said. Boo. What else? So, believe it or not, we were going to go into the Geek Week in review. Eventually. Uh, uh, so, let's talk some Andy, Geek but Week we got to talk stuff. about, now that it's all 2014, we got to talk about our best cans of beefaroni we ate in 2013. Oh, <laughs> uh, You know what? I did actually eat a can of beefaroni this year, my friend. What happened? So oh, well, I so, can yeah, actually... I think you mentioned that. You ate some at work. I did. So I got sorry. some at work. Because it sounded good, and it was not Oh, this good. is the other thing I was watching this week when I wasn't playing games. I was watching the Robert Dyer uh, YouTube channel. Robert Dyer, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast before. He's this super scrawny guy from Baltimore who just reviews the world's worst junk food. He okay. does a video, uh, I think almost every day, where it's just like he'll just go to the store and f- find a random like frozen food or like can of beefaroni, and he'll just like... He'll crack it open, sniff it, and he talks about the aroma, like, oh, this 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 has an aroma of beefaroni. <laughs> and he taste tests, and he's serious about being a taste, like, taste testing all this stuff. It's not like a funny, wacky joke. And uh, he has this weird character called Tarnation Bob, which will interrupt his videos and start yelling and stuff, and it's crazy, but Robert Dyer's out of his mind, but I love his stuff. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> what else? So... It's time for the Geek Week in Finally. Review. Two uh, hours in. There, there's a secret silly origin behind some of the earliest D&D monsters. There's a really fascinating article that's out right now called Owlbears, Rust Monsters, and Bullets. Oh my. That talks about the origin behind um, a lot of the designs of these early D&D monsters. 
are these small plastic figures that you could get at the dollar store um, from God, from when I was a kid, clearly to the 70s, yeah. of these little monsters. That ha- and when you look at the D&D, like the early D&D drawings, they look kind of weird, but it's because they're pretty clearly based on these actual toys. Yeah, I can't believe these that- guys went out and just bought like these cheap little, like, like 99 cent packages of plastic Japanese, like, dinosaurs and See, shit like that and said, okay, well, this is going to be what we based our first monsters off of. Having said that, I can totally see, like, if you're the if you're Gary Gygax yeah. and you're developing this game and you need these small-scale monsters, they're all, they are that scale. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the scale of these small toy monsters dictated the scale of all well, other actual, quote-unquote, like, figures you and that Foley followed. were knocking yourselves out for a while trying to find an owlbear that she could play as yeah. for a D&D yeah. session. And really, yeah. you could probably still, if you, if you were to, like, search around town long enough, you, if you went to the grodiest little uh, fucking five-and-dime shop in town, you could probably find a bag with, a, with a, like, one of these owlbears inside of it, even today. See, I would, I would, the thing is, is that we were killing ourselves trying to find an owlbear we liked. Yeah. We have very high owlbear standards, thank you. But did you, you see what these owlbears uh, look like? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, they're amazing. They basically look like, they basically looks like if you were a kid who didn't really know what a T-Rex was, but it was described to you, and you drew it, and you decided that its head was actually that of a parrot, and instead of coming out of its shoulders, it came out of the front of its chest, that is what the Albert toy looks like. I thought the Albert kind of looked great. Because it looked like a little kid's drawing come to life, yeah. But that that that's a great. We'll link to that in the show notes. But that was it's a fun a, piece. It's piece a of very notes. enjoyable article. Highly recommended. A plus plus would read again. Um, so, Bill, tell me about this because I haven't heard anything about this. Miyazaki supposedly unretires again. Uh, the news about this is really vague. Uh, in Japan, Miyazaki was on a news radio broadcast on New Year's Eve, where. Uh, no one's officially translated this, but according to Google, if if you run the uh, uh, transcript of some of the what he was saying through Google uh, translator stuff, it sounds like he's saying that he may actually come back to work on movies again. Oh, it's yeah? the vaguest. It's not like an official like my retirement's over or anything like that. But this is him four months after he said he's retiring for real finally for the seventh time, coming out saying. still work on movies so who knows (laughs) he didn't like announce any formal plans or anything like that but uh this is miyazaki being out of his goddamn mind i uh my wife last sunday went to the portland art museum Mm -hmm. uh to see their samurai yeah jojo took a whole bunch of pictures of that thing that thing looked gorgeous oh man yeah so the there's a uh, a family that has a private collection of samurai armor and uh, it's intense it's apparently some of the highest quality is this family uh will ferrell and john c Riley? (laughs) <laughs> no, but it should be. Uh, um, so, uh, Foley, because she is a caricature of a cartoon of a Portlander, went to this exhibit with her tattooist, and uh, they went and they drew and had a really lovely time. But talking about it made me really, really excited about Miyazaki's samurai manga that he's been working uh-huh. on. And there was a part of me that, when I read that sentence, is like, motherfucker, I really want to read more of his manga. <laughs> Because dude does good manga. Good manga. Damn. Nausicaa is good shit. Bill, have you read Nausicaa? Uh, yes, I've actually, uh, last year, um, was it Viz Media put out the big hardback collection of Nausicaa? Oh, that's right. You were offering to loan that to me. Yeah, I still have it if you ever want to borrow it. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, the art okay, is so fantastic. Speaking... The story is a little comp- and it gets a little incomprehensible in parts, but like, yeah, no, it... well, yeah. Miyazaki's Dude a fantastic artist. artist. Yeah, I shouldn't tell the stories about Stell. I'm gonna put. Oh no, what's your All story? Right, so, nope, nothing. It was about some manga that I got yesterday. I shouldn't tell that story. Um, Disney's line of princess-inspired Japanese lingerie. What? Did you not click the link? I am Annie, now. as a lady, you're obligated to click the link and tell me what you think about this line of women's fashion in Japan. Is it actually Disney It seems official? like that's the first thing when I saw people talking about this was I was like, this is kind of a weird Disney knockoff, but it looks like it's actually been licensed by Disney. It really... I don't know. They misspelled Belle. That's the first thing I noticed. Oh, really? Yeah, they spell Belle on the thing as B-E-L-L. Actually, I wonder if that may be not, not, not legit after a while. And I, Yeah, I can't imagine that. And also, frankly, I can't imagine Disney signing off on... That makes it even saucier that it's illegitimate Disney princess underwear. This is actually pretty cute. Uh, they should hire uh, Claire Hummel to design period, uh, period correct underwear for women to wear. This is actually some pretty cute underwear. I'll give them that. Oh, you think so? Yeah! I would totally buy some of the Cinderella underwear if they believed in my cup size. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not saying it was ugly or anything like that. I just, I don't know women's underwear from anything, so. Oh, man. So I was talking to a friend about how hard it is to find uh, underwear that is attractive or cute uh-huh. and not just functional when you're a bigger lady. And she was like, oh, you have to try out this agent provocateur it's this British lingerie company that believes in all sorts of sizes, and their cutoff for their largest size is four cup sizes below mine. <laughs> and I was like, you motherfucker. Wait, what the hell is your cup size again? We've talked about this before, and I'm not going to talk about it again. Oh, you're, 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 uh, Boom. you're what? You're a C cup. I'm an X cup, Bill. <laughs> Thank you. You are the breasts from space. <laughs> Exactly. No, wait, so wait, Veronica four cup Mars sizes? Movie wait, trailer. Like, four, like four numbers? Or four, le- four letters lower? Yes. Wait, what the hell is this company? Uh, there's a company that does really, really nice lingerie called Agent Provocateur. I thought you had found a place here in town that uh, specialized in women's all kinds of different body types and stuff. Well, we had talked about, we've talked about in the past about the Pencil Test, which is a Portland shop. That's what it was. Lingerie. With deals with bras in particular. Oh, okay, more just sizes. bras. Okay, that's a little bit different. But, if they're just, like, basic bras and stuff, that's different than, like... Well, the fact of the matter is that if you're a big, fat lady, that pretty soon your options stop being cute and start being practical. Getting architectural? Well, it's, no, practical. That's what it's I'm like, saying. It's 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 shit. not about being cute as much as just making, every, making sure everything's in the right place more than anything else, yes. yeah. See, I'm always surprised. So, I, I don't know why I'm always surprised when girls I know are into underwear with like little bows and stuff on them. But like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. That shit's cute shit. I'm not man. saying it's bad, but it's funny that I'm just saying it's funny the I women I've known person, in my life who are like I would think would be more practical minded about that or like, oh, that is cute, dude, like a little bit of lace or like they're into lingerie. And I'm always kind of like, oh, okay, that's. I mean, yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just. I'm just saying, there's the whole thing with lingerie is that it's cute shit. Yeah. That's literally the point of lingerie. It's cute shit that makes your assets look Is lingerie specific fancy underwear? Like, can you consider, like, if you just have white panties, that's not lingerie, is it? No. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, lingerie Lingerie... is specific, like, frills and stuff. Lingerie is underwear that's attempting to do a thing. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, the Cinderella. You know what the it's funny because the Cinderella panties kind of look like Sailor Moon panties. They do a little bit. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um. Uh. So in other news, Veronica Mars, uh, which kickstarted its movie, released its trailer this weekend. God damn! I, so you know exciting. what? And the fact that they used black skinhead in it, I'm totally down with. Damn, you know, I think it's become fashionable over the last few years to be a feminist who's not down for Veronica Mars. Really? And I, yeah, I've seen a lot of feminist backlash. I've heard anyone Veronica talk Mars. about Veronica Mars, much less good or bad in the last couple of years. But I gotta That's say, I, I I have a, a soft spot for um, uh, down other luck detectives yeah. who are uh, a sassy and smart. And yet emotionally stupid. So, and then I have a soft spot for tough dames, yeah. for tough smart dames. And then I have a t- soft spot for Logan Eccles. So all of these things kind of coalesce to me having a big old soft spot. For it Veronica seems like Mars. everyone, every girl who was alive in the when did uh, Veronica Mars come out? Was that the nineties? No, it was not. It was the early aughts. It seems like every girl yeah. who was alive ten years ago had a uh, Logan Eccles crush. I am not a bad boy girl. I'm not the sort of girl who goes, oh, he's, well, a, he's bad not a bad boy. Well, he's not a bad boy in that he's a tough cigarette smoking bad boy. He's just kind of an asshole. He's an actual bad boy, but on top of that, Bill, he's sensitive yeah. and he's hunky. <laughs> However, my Foley, my, my Foley, my wife Foley is hilarious because my wife Foley At this Foley point, your wife is pretty much synonymous with Foley. My Foley has a big, turgid crush on Dick Casablancas on that show. So, like, that trailer involves him being, uh, uh, in this, in this, like, what, a minute and 45 second trailer, he is a douchey asshole twice, and Foley's just sitting over there fanning (laughs) herself. (laughs) God bless. It's got the dad, it's, it's, it's got the dad who was the alien from Galaxy Quest, and as long as he's in it, I'm always I'm, I'm I'm really surprised, I, I've been, like, I was a Kickstarter backer, I backed the $50 level, because I want my Yeah, we should be getting DVDs in, like, a month. Yeah, but uh, I gotta say, I have been sort of, I haven't really been paying attention to my Kickstarter updates, because I'll be honest with you, I've backed enough Kickstarters that spam their updates. Yeah, it turns into white noise that, really quickly. That, yeah, exactly. I see that Kickstarter thing, and I'm like, sure, whatever, archive, and just move on with my life. But I didn't know how many of the original cast they got on to this thing. All of the original cast that I care about, short of Weevil, it seems like, they got for this movie, which I'm super chuffed about. It's going to be great. Who's the hottest Disney princess? Um, I'm not the person to ask that question of, dude. Okay. I'm trying to find, like, what, like different underwears. Like, what would, what would, like, what would Maleficent's underwear be? When you're a lady and you ask that question, it can't help but beg the question, are you asking... Yeah, no, that, that, like, that's, a, that's a little bit of a weird question, yeah. Like, do you want to be that lady? Whole, do you want to stop that exactly. lady? Exactly. The be or do thing. And like, uh, my uh, one of my favorite people in the universe, Leslie Wolfhard, tweeted last night that uh, this thing where she was like, ah, the Rocketeer, ruined, like, totally defining the sexual proclivities of all seven-year-olds who watched it. And, uh, you know, which is true, because uh, What's Her Butt in that movie did was just like, that's ladies for me, that's it. End of story. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, it, but she's a total be and do sort of lady. There is no, I'll be honest with you, I have never, here we go, here's a controversial statement, I have never sexualized a Disney character in my life. Uh, Annie, you're, 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 
You're the Omega Man. You're you're the last person on Earth who has not jerked it fucking viciously to a to a Disney cartoon character. I have never thought about a Disney character sexually, man. I'm sorry. Uh, no, because because I'm trying to think. Like, there's there's a joke to be had about like like other Disney princess underwear. Like, who's the chick from Aladdin? Would she Jasmine. would she even wear underwear? Uh, yes, she would. Oh, because she was a woman of grace and poise, and she would have, probably have strong opinions. To about be, what you know what I want to see is the uh, uh, Ariel underwear set, which is just a fucking pair of clamshells. Oh man, so Foley did the cutest thing in the universe. Yeah. Alright, so I'm gonna tell this story that I'm gonna regret telling. Just like every fucking story I tell in the Boyatti <laughs> podcast. So for Christmas Eve, the tradition in my uh-huh. family is you get pajamas on Christmas oh, no. Eve. That's what you do. Oh, no. You open you open one present on Christmas Eve and it's always pajamas. And then you wear those pajamas on Christmas Eve and you wake up in them and it's a whole thing. So it was what my grandparents would give us for many, many, many years. And then my grandparents passed away. And so it was what my mom would do for us for many, many years. And then I moved away and my mom finally was like, I don't know what size you girls are anymore. Just, you know, I'm a, let's not do that anymore. And I was like, sure, no problem. But in my heart of yeah, hearts, no, I was that's like, sad. Yeah, a- that's not good times. Yeah. That's an actual family tradition that I want to continue. So last year I bought pajamas for Foley, but none for me. And this year, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. If it's Christmas Eve and I'm gonna do something fancy and nice, I'm gonna get Foley things that I find attractive on her. And I'm gonna get go balls out and ask her to get something that I would like. So I asked her, I found a website for fatties and asked her to get me fatty girl lingerie. And I got her um, a really nice, some really nice tank tops and some really nice boxers. Well, so come Christmas Eve, sure enough, I open this lingerie, and it so remotely does not even fit me, it's not even funny. It's like, this is this website for fatties, and even the website for fatties lingerie didn't a mile away fit me. And I was really, oh, I saw like, you, tweeting you know about. Wait, was this not the same place that you were just talking about? No, this is a different okay. place. That, that, the pencil test does not truck in No, lingerie. but the place from England. No, 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 no. This is a totally different thing. This is I was I sh- shared this story that I should not have shared with the Boy Hattie listenership no, fine. with a friend, and she recommended uh, Agent Provocateur. So uh, I was really upset, and on top of that, the launch, the excuse me, the pajamas that I got fully, the um, boxer briefs did not fit her. So I wound up inheriting her boxer briefs, which was fine, and uh, uh, you know, and it was just kind of a bust. Well, like literally, so we go out to get we yeah. So we go out and get fully her vacuum cleaner, and uh, while we're out and we wander past the night the nightwear section uh-huh. for ladies in the store we were at, fully just stops and she goes, "You know what? If I'm going to be honest, that's what I would have gotten you had I chose were I able to choose for myself." And she cho- she was like, it was like the comfiest looking, like cute, but like in a cute way, not in like a sexy way, just like cute, like just like sleep shirt. And cute little sleep boxers. Aww. She's like, if I had my druthers, I would have gotten that for you. Also, and to so be fair, did. knowing that the person you're sleeping with is comfortable is kind of nice. Yes. But sometimes you want to go for bells and whistles, you know? Sometimes you want to wear a thong. <laughs> no. Not if you're a fatty. <laughs> as a fat person, I can even, as a legitimately, you you pretend to be fat. 
Uh-huh. You're it's a fucking fakery. tourist in Fat City. You, you're you on the bus, and you kind of drive past and go, man, I'm kind of close. Maybe I might stop off in the suburbs of Fat City, but I don't want to live there. I'm going to go back to Skinnyville. You, you, still have, you still have your round-trip ticket. I have been living in the sewers of Fat City since I was six years old. <laughs> I am the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of Fat City. Um, but yeah, so I could doubly appreciate <laughs> the desire yeah. not to wear a thong. Um, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So, um, but yeah, it was actually really cute. So she got me comfy ass pajamas that fit me just fine because they don't give a fuck what your shape's like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shapeless fucking pajamas. The, wait, 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 pajamas like that? Really do you still have to wear a bra underneath? Because like the sounds like the stuff wouldn't be much support or anything like that. When you, goddamn, I talk way too much about my breasts in this fucking. You, podcast. yeah, I'd say I didn't even bring this up. Uh, when you are me, uh, nothing supports you but things that are literally designed where their number one thing is support. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's all kind of abstract, really. So who the fuck cares? Well, no, just because you, you've mentioned on the podcast before that you like to sleep with support. I don't know. It's just, we, we've had this conversation before, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in other news, that was talking about the Veronica Mars yeah. trailer. Uh, moving on. Microsoft considered removing the Xbox One's disk drive altogether after people started freaking yeah, out. Yeah, this is just a random software. quote from somebody at uh, at Microsoft this week, which seems completely inexplicable. Like, because what? That 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 yeah. was not going to fix anything. Yeah. Well, so the issue for y'all, who this has been lost to time, was that the um, it was pretty much understood that when you bought an Xbox One game, the game would be downloaded to your system. Which, to be fair, you can do now with the 360, but it's an option. The game would be downloaded to your system, and the disc would only be an authorization tool. That it, You would have to have the disc in the drive, but for no reason other than just to authorize that you still had the game. Or that you own yeah, the game. Yeah, just like a PC code for something, session. yeah. Exactly. So their solution the, was to, well, let's just remove the disc drive. Let's just call it. And the only thing that pulled them back from that was uh, the fact that download speeds are just not what they should be across, you know, the United States. Uh, and uh, they're like, it's just not worth it. And so they decided. Well, also, game sizes, because they're they were designed with Blu-ray storage media in, in, in mind, are creeping up to be close to 50 gigs in a lot of cases. Or at least are, mm -hmm. are over 25 gigs, which makes uh, downloading those games really impractical for most people. Or especially Absolutely. at least downloading a whole bunch of games like that. You're really actively discouraging people, like, building up a large library of that stuff. Especially yeah. if the hard drives that you're shipping these consoles with can only store maybe less than 10 games at the very most. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I'm surprised they were even seriously considering that as a solution to the problems they were having. I could see maybe yeah. that was something they were thinking about when they were first kind of just, like, blue-skying ideas for the console in general, but, like, for them to be, yeah. like, in August saying, you know what, maybe at the last minute, maybe we should just take, uh, we should just take the drive out. It's just like, are you fucking nuts? Though, man, okay, I gotta say this. The PS4 has their really cool program where if you own a certain array of PS3 games, you can pay $10 and yeah, the get the PS4 yeah. game. Yeah. You have to have the PS3 disc in your PS4 to play those games. To play it, not just even authorize the... 
to play. Oh, that's funny. Every time I try to play Assassin's Creed Black Flag, every time my wife tries to play Battlefield 4, we have to physically put the last generation game in our drive. Oh, we should announce um, our, our latest advertiser, Sony Computer Entertainment. <laughs> Uh, the company that I'm currently jump- dumping in the garbage can, where I will later find episodes of Lost Girl in Haven, uh, there are sponsors this week. <laughs> Thanks, Sony. We want to, you know what, uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take a break so we can have a commercial for our newest advertiser, uh, the Pirate Bay. <laughs> Dot P-E. Man, I've been so good about not torrenting. Like, really. Did you find yourself this week just angry and just trying to come up with shit to torrent you're like staring at the pirate bay at the search field going i have to find something i just want to rip someone off my wife and i last year 2013 we decided we cannot in good conscience we know too many artists we know too many little guys who are hurt by piracy that we can't we can't in good conscience pirate Uh anything anymore so even the TV shows, like we chose very consciously, we will either watch shows live, shows legally, yeah. or just purchase season passes. And what has broken our conviction has been, uh, well, first it was shows like Lost Girl that are airing in other countries, but not available legally in America. Yeah, that's kind of fucked on- up. That's like that, that's like Doctor Who kind of does that to me sometimes, where I'm like, fuck, you're killing me yeah. here. Yeah, and then hard on the heels of that are TV shows that are so fucking expensive mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to justify. Like, we rented, or we di- we bought and downloaded the uh, Christmas episode of Bob's Burgers to watch on Christmas yeah. Day. And I just looked at Philly and said, we love Bob's Burgers, let's just fucking buy the season pass for Bob's Burgers. $60. That's $60. For like 16 episodes, too. $60. I mean, granted, you could stream all that stuff on Hulu Plus, which that's not... We should uh, also... We should take a break for our new advertiser, Hulu. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, well, that's, that, that's... At least that's only 8 bucks a month, and you get, like, all that stuff, but yeah, that's... Well, you get the most... You get the most recent Do they not archive right? that you stuff very much? It's just... Uh, it, I don't know. And in what color is Anakin's pants? Anakin's pants are a brownish... What is it brownish? It was more black, because I only have a brown... I have a brown crayon, and... I can't find like a dark. Are you coloring your parents' color yeah, look no, right no. now? Yes. Uh, it's wait. It's uh, this, this is not gonna make any sense to audio our audio listeners at home. But yeah, look, I'm working on it's Anakin and wait, who's the other guy? Train train spotting. <laughs> train spotting and Anakin are duking it out, and I they well yeah my 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 parents for Christmas always get me a coloring book set and a box of crayons. Because I'm dyslexic. And, uh... For some reason, I decided I'd start coloring while we're recording the podcast. That's... I, at least I, I chose something low-impact, like, lightsaber colors. Because I could still That's talk without good. thinking about too much what color it is. Because it's fucking red, it's fucking blue. There's not a lot of creative choices Bill, to be had there. Also... I gotta ask. What? When you approach a crayon page, how do you approach coloring? Coloring? I wish I had Photoshop. Because my mom... My mom, it turns out, the way she taught me coloring, she would be an excellent flatterer. Yeah? Is what I've learned. Because she taught me, you start by um, doing the outline in color. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I do. And blocking out the space, and then filling it in, and you don't have to worry about going over the edges. And only now as an adult, I'm like, man, you would be a perfect flatterer for comics. Goddamn, mom. She would have been a great ink and paint girl. Yeah. 
my mom is looking at going down to part-time next year, possibly, and from full-time and kind of starting her ease into retirement. I just need to tell her she just needs to pick up some hours as a flatter for comics and uh, call it good. She could, uh, well, Jeff Parker needs someone to help him work on Aquaman. <laughs> Why has everyone been making fun of Jeff Parker and Aquaman lately? I don't know. I've seen a lot of jokes about it online, so that hence my joke right now. But yeah, well, Aquaman gets made fun of a lot. And sure. also, if you're if, if if you know Periscope people at all, they're always just like you know yeah. throwing jibes at Jeff Parker because that's the how Periscope operates. Oh man, this There's is really nice. About that man. Oh man, this is the other thing too. It's been a while since I've actually messed with crayons. All the names now, instead of black, it's shadow. What? Uh, brown. Instead of brown, uh, I have two brown crayons. One is beaver. I'm not fucking making... That's not going to focus on that. But this does say wow. beaver. And fuzzy wuzzy. Uh-huh. Are you Flesh tone is now uh, picky pink. Which actually is kind of Man. hilariously appropriate. Uh, which Can at I least no longer that... says flesh, assuming that it just defaults to white people color. <laughs> that's that's um, good. What else? Man... When I was, now when I hear those sorts of things, my whole body just cringes. And the reason why is that when I was just in sales, I really, really, really was like, oh man, I wish I was on the naming side of things because I would name yeah. so many cool things. No, because now I've been in the naming side of things and I've had 47 names rejected because of legal issues. Oh no. What other so companies just had something naming... called name something similar? Or... Yeah, where it's like for whatever reason the legal department decided that that is too similar to X, Y, or Z, and you can't name it that. So imagine having to name the same item forty-eight times. See, at least if you work it for is... IKEA, you could just make oh. up like it's Gersplorn. <laughs> it's Piffin. <laughs> it's our new uh, lamp. Anyway, Gorfmond. Believe. Believe it or not, guys, uh, we're still doing the Geek Week interview. <laughs> I like the idea of rather than actually trying to record a podcast, we just talk and happen to record it. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's what our listeners come for. They come for two people who are old friends <laughs> who are comfortable and cranky at each other. <laughs> what are you talking about? Where's my breasts? I love beefaroni. <laughs> So, our last piece of news, the Geek Week interview. Bears, Beats, Battlestar Galactica, ours is beers, breasts, and beefaroni. Except you only like two out of those three things. I would gladly accept beer if it was spread on, if it was either mixed with beefaroni or or, or lip, <laughs> la, lapped off a breast. There we go. That's understandable. So finally, our last piece of news in the Geek Week review is that Dark Horse has finally, officially lost the Star Wars Dark license. Horse done fucked up. <laughs> no! Everyone saw this Did coming they? from... No! What they should have done was taken all their Hellboy money, pulled the resources, and bought Star Wars from George Lucas. Not just the comic book <laughs> rights, but just the entire franchise. Bill, you've been to the Dark Horse offices. You can't say that shit. Why? Have you been to the Dark Horse offices? Yes, I have. We drove you, motherfucker. I know. Well, did you see what it, what it's now? What Dark Horse offices are now just operating out of a food cart? <laughs> no, so everybody saw this coming I from like, when I have Disney... to email an editor from Dark Horse tomorrow about a new job I'm doing for them. <laughs> Fortunately, no one listens to our podcast. Yeah, I know, fine. exactly. Oh, um, my God. So... 
everyone saw this coming coming because Disney owns both Marvel and Lucasfilm. Yeah, so and only, I or should be Lucasfilm. And I remember when this first announced, I was like, well, it, that sucks for Dark Horse. And I saw people in the industry, in the comics industry, saying, well, you don't know that. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Seriously. Like, fucking, yeah. you owe, if you own Marvel and you own Disney, you don't think you're going to have Marvel yeah. making Star Wars comics? Like, just, yeah. yeah. And aside from the fact that before uh, Dark Horse had the Star Wars uh, license, Marvel, all the Star Wars comics were made by Marvel. And so it's just kind of a natural thing just to, to uh, slap them back together again. Um, but yeah, Dark Horse, yeah, so they, they just announced that. It sounds like they have license up until next year. They didn't annou announce any specifics. And it almost makes it sound as if they've got the Star Wars license until next January 1st, and that's when the rights revert right. back to, the, to Marvel again. Um, so, yeah. which... And I gotta say, Dark Horse, They've if you have paid attention at all to Dark Horse... It seems like they've been preparing, more or less, for this Oh, yeah, they had because... to see this coming. This is not a surprise to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, what? Are you going to be the person who holds the keys to this? Although, I would have coming? hated to have been in the Dark Horse office the day that it was announced that Star Wars was being sold to yeah. Disney. Because that's that. I mean, I'm sure right from then, that's when they were like, well, we got to start making plans about it. We're just not going to have that Disney Well, that I license mean, when anymore. you think about it, Dark Horse, like, you know, not, you know, and when I look back at Dark Horse seven years ago, Dark Horse was primarily a licensed property, like, they do create their own stuff, and they would do, like, they, licensed, yeah, no, the licensed stuff. Even Hellboy, which started off as a, a creator-owned comic, kind of turned into, <laughs> after it got turned into a movie, kind of got turned well, into a licensed thing but yeah i think that was them leveraging the property they had that made but hellboy never money. really took and off it... i like we're making it sound like well, dark horse just died no 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 no. But... no 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 quite the opposite what i'm saying is i admire dark horse enormously oh, yeah, because yeah. if you pay attention to what dark horse has done since the acquisition of lucasfilm by disney like they've really put their back into like video game shit like all the game spearheaded by rachel edison largely yeah yeah I mean, they've they they've been really really smart about putting their eggs into more than one. Well, basket. they publish a lot of like did what didn't they did they, they did the Last of Our the Last of Us art book they did the Bioshock Infinite mm -hmm. art book they did the Mass mm -hmm. Effect art book they've done well even the second one they also did the all the Avatar stuff so they're getting into like uh, animation and television. Yeah, and they did that Zelda that History of High Rule uh, book. Uh, that's, we don't want to talk so about well that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> No, my point being, point. oh shit, I almost spoiled. Uh, yeah, no, but but yeah, no, that's great. Okay, the Bill, fact, stop well, talking. The fact that they're pursuing a relationship with Nintendo is fucking fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. and my point is, is that they have done everything, everything right that you should do when you find out that this lucrative, like, because I remember there was a time when Dark Horse could say that. Um, Star Wars was 25% of their business. Yeah. And that's a significant loss. But they very clearly saw this day coming and started leveraging those assets the best they could. And they've been making a lot of really high-quality products. Um, I mean, it's been pointed stuff. out, too, that Disney also... Or that, uh, that, that, that Star Wars license isn't, isn't free. That no. Dark Horse tends to pay upwards towards a, of a million dollars a year for that Star Wars license. So te technically, this is saving them money, and I've I've, I've yeah. heard people claim that despite the fact that they sp uh, spend a million dollars a year supposedly for that license, that they've never really made that money back. Like their sales just huh. don't necessarily equal a million dollars. They're they at least their profits don't. 
So ultimately, right. this may actually be kind of a wash for the company, but they would have made a mint guaranteed if they had been able to hang on to the license as the new Star Wars movies were coming out. That would have changed in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They they, they did they, they really did right by the Star Wars stuff. They did a lot of great stuff. Um, some of the first Dark Star Dark Horse stuff I ever read that was not Aliens comics was their expanded universe stuff from the early '90s, literally like 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Like, oh man, they they had some great artists working on it. Man, that's weird to think. Yeah, Dark Horse without Star Wars though, just from a a, a brand's identity point of view, that's crazy to think that they don't yeah, have Star man. Wars anymore. Yeah, because even yeah. when you walk past the the Dark Horse headquarters, they've got like Star Wars posters up and stuff on the walls, like like facing the street. And oh man, yeah. Hmm. Well, the funny. Th- I'm excited to see what happens yeah. next. Like they've been, like I said, if if they take that whatever energy they've been putting on Star towards Star Wars, and point it at anything else, I'm excited to see what happens. Hmm. We, oh man, I forgot they 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 started doing a couple cool Indiana Jones comics. A couple years yeah. ago, that kind of fizzled out, unfortunately, though. But they did one or two great, like, pulpy Indiana Jones comics. Man. Anyway, so this is us just kind of mourning the death of Star Wars, Mar- uh, Dark Horse stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we're I... proud to announce our new partnership with Marvel. <laughs> Advertising Marvel <laughs> Star Wars comics. Uh, we were, we were, Dark Horse approached us about advertising their new um, Hardware Wars comics. <laughs> does anyone even know about wow, hardware Bill. wars i was gonna say does anyone know what hardware wars is to get that it's joke? the GoBots of star wars <laughs> um yeah so no yeah anyway so hopefully you know what? this yeah you know what this this whole conversation just makes me feel enormously guilty for the giant ass pile of comics that i have by my bedside table, waiting to be read that I have not gotten around to reading. Uh, we'd like to announce our new partnership with the Pirate Bay. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, they just sent us an email right now saying if they will pay us an extra twenty-five cents if we tell them to, if we tell our uh, our listeners to search for Star Wars comics <laughs> on the Pirate Bay. Bill, what would we do if anyone? actually offered to help us sell out. So one person did approach us six months ago about advertising and we never even emailed them back. Because they offered $50. A one-time $50 payment for permanent what were they addition gonna advertise? to our website. I don't even fucking know. Who cares? It was $50. Should we advertise like Ojoy Sex Toy? My dick oh, can we start running advertisements for Ojoy Sex Toy? <laughs> we should do that. Hey, Erica. Oh, uh, let's get some of that sweet sex toy money. <laughs> no, we can start doing dramatic readings of Ojoy sex toy. Bill, we gotta switch gears here. We gotta start talking about things that will allow us to leverage uh, uh, affiliate fees for various porn, comic, and Andy, why do you think we talk websites? about boobs and beefaroni so much as we're trying to get free <laughs> bras and beefaroni sent to us? Oh my god, we do need to just set up a fucking donate button on our Do we not have one? I was thinking about that the other day. No, not that we need one. We have people sending us free candy and games and stuff. That is true. We do have. I sound like an asshole. Yeah, no, we have a donate button by virtue of the fact that we both have like Amazon wish lists and I'm, Steam accounts. No, well, but A, 
my Amazon wish list is out of date by about four years. Yeah, I've noticed because I looked some of that shit up. Why do you think you got a movie uh, theater gift certificate rather than anything more <laughs> practical? But no, I, I was thinking about that the other day only because Foley and I have been looking at our finances because surprise, we're broke after Christmas. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like, man, you know what? The Boy Hattie podcast costs me $130 a year. <laughs> Well, yeah, because you're doing all the that web is, hosting. You're buying. You're buying all the hardware and everything. And it's like that is such a reasonable goal. I'm like, I can make. Oh fuck, Bill, edit this out. Edit, edit out me bitching about hundred thirty dollars a year. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, dark horse. God bless. Look forward to see what happens next. Pretty chuffed. The end. <laughs> Yeah. That was our quality end to this, this week's episode. Hey, everybody. This is the Boy Hattie Podcast. As always, we're at BoyHattiePodcast.com, at Boy Hattie Podcast on the Twitter. See, that's what you, when, you, you, when it costs you $130, you complained about it costing you $1,300. And so that's when you really get the donations rolling in. See, but the thing is, is that I am too cheap to go away from our host where uh, uh, it's infinite bandwidth. So I would rather our website just go down for 24 hours yeah. than us be lambasted. For I just realized hours. I was supposed to renew the bandwidth or uh, the the hosting and all the domain names for all of my websites on on the first. <laughs> what is today's date? Today's the sixth. Oh, shut the fuck up. The fourth. Oh, it's the fourth. the fourth. That's still not good. The fourth, I kind of fucked that up. Do you not have auto renew set up for I that think shit? I've been getting emails, but I, I, because I've been so avoiding any kind of work or any kind of like responsibility for the sure. last two weeks, I just sure. kind of put my fingers in my ears and pretended it wasn't happening. I can understand that. Well, here's the thing: there are literally assholes where all they do is swoop in on uh, domain names that have gone fallow. <laughs> So good luck with that, buddy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 do, uh, I do keep on getting weird spam emails from someone trying to sell me mudbill.com. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want mudbill. You can keep that. That's, I'm not too worried about mudbill. I still have the greencrow.com from uh, Peter Pan. Oh, stuff. wow. So you can do nothing with that, too? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit because I want to read Pan. It's still, and uh, Dylan, Bill? yesterday, we were talking about the, the, the art stuff I could draw this year. And she's like, you should do an Everland map. And I was like, yeah, but, like, how, how is anyone going to understand anything on there? She's like, no, you should just, like, do, do a Disney Neverland map. And I'm like, that's boring. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I still, man, uh... if I find my I'd do a Hogwarts map. Man. Hand-drawn. Like, essentially, it would just be the Marauder's map. I'd just be tracing it at that point. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they already have an in-universe yeah. awesome map. That you can actually buy replicas uh, I was of. Gonna say, I was gonna say, that you own. Yeah, I know. Bill, which I that inspired me to do this first Zelda map that got me on this whole map making thing in the first place. It's the Marauder's map, oh, actually. Bill. Oh, Billy Bear. Uh, All right, everybody. Like I said a while ago, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast. As always, we look forward to another, can you believe it? Goddamn motherfucking year of gibbering at you about garbage. We love you. We'll talk to you further in 2014. Uh, so please send us $130 worth of crayons. <laughs> See you guys next week. Or Steam. I really can't complain because how many, how much money have Boy Howdy listeners spent on crap? It probably us? has. Well, that's the un the unfair thing is that it's been $130 spread between the two of us. And since I'm not kicking in for any of this stuff, <laughs> although I did buy like one mic, I think. 
I, and you do the editing, which if you're going to Yeah, so you, essentially, labor. Annie, you're paying me $2 a week to edit the podcast. <laughs> That's where your $130 goes to. Like $2.50. Anyway. Yeah. And also the bus fare. That's why I'm glad at least we're recording this more often. So at least you don't have to pay this, spend the bus fare to come over here. I know you, you have a ticket from work, but still. Anyway, in summation, in 2014, we vow to keep gibbering at y'all about bullshit. For free. If y'all vow. If y'all vow. To continue listening to us and our bullshit pretty much indefinitely. I say this as so. I'm literally snacking on the natural confectionery snakes that Hannah Groff sent us. Which, actually, <laughs> I've got the last two here. I almost feel like I should save one for the next time you re- we record here, because I don't want to finish the snakes without you being here. Bill, I formally give you permission to finish oh, off Oh, I have snakes. monster balls coming to the house. In summation, and with that, friends, welcome to 2014. We'll talk to y'all next week. With some sticks and paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. With your feet on the ground, you're a bird in flight. With your fist holding tight to the string of your kite. As you watch it flying up there, all at once you're lighter than air. You can dance on the breeze over houses and trees with your fist holding tight to the string of your kite. Oh, let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere, up where the air is clear oh let's go fly a kite let's go fly a kite up to the highest height let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere up where the air is clear